Well, no, actually, what's going to happen is your your whole thing is um, what what did, what did Gibbs say? Um, careers are falling off like Ace Hood's rolly bezel or something because Ace Hood had the, <laughs> the <laughs> Ace Hood had the fake one and it fell off at the awards show. Oh uh, man, that's I, I completely forgot about that. That's like a Youngberg chain level burn. <laughs> Like, it was such an offhanded remark in this song that wasn't about Ace Hood, obviously. Yeah, but like, he said, rapper's, so careers, rapper's career's falling off every day like Ace Hood rolling that song. Pivotal, all the time, the clock ticks faster. It sucks that, like, Gibbs is, like, kind of a piece of shit now who makes, like, mid-ass music. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's uh, it's not ideal. And I was actually, you know, you almost transitioned my transition because I was going to say, speaking of Ace Hood in 2013 uh, rap, we, <laughs> we have, uh, we're, we're, we're 10 years removed from, from 2013, and a certain album came out in 2013 by a guy that also fell off. Uh, more more personally, more personally than professionally, and publicly, very publicly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, often uh, once called the mascot of the podcast, uh, or, or the what is it? The the resident. Um, it was like the bingo card. He was he was the free space. We always just talk about him. Unofficial topic of every podcast. Yeah. Um, the, the, the long, long time listeners back in the the 2018-19 day they 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 know they know about this artist of course i'm talking about the one the only uh kanye west mr mr yeezus easy easy um he dropped yeezus 10 years ago this month and while this episode of living off borrowed time is talking about a different topic we wanted to start with a brief retrospective on an album that i think was pretty polarizing at the time, but has kind of evolved and and taken on a life of its own as one of Kanye's best and uh, how do I how do I phrase this records that has held up the best despite the fact that you could argue the the lyrical and song topics have not held up considering where he went publicly in the last few years so maybe it hasn't held up i don't know has, has this album held up to you patrick when's the last time you've listened to it i okay well i you mentioned i 
I wanted to listen. I, I to threw it. I threw a lot out you. That, that you was did. my fault. a lot, and I have a lot to actually digest. Uh, I had a lot to process there, and a lot to respond to it with, uh, much like with the album itself at the time and now. Um, first of all, I hadn't even I didn't remember that this was a ten year anniversary until you brought it up, and I really had every intention of revisiting it, which would be the first time since um, his. Would you say this was his first? major well it wasn't his first major public breakdown i would say like i think everybody would agree the first major quote-unquote breakdown was the obvious infamous you know best video of all time vmas Uh, can't even call it a stunt at the time people said that there were there were like rumors of a whole contrived conspiracy he had the same manager as taylor swift i don't believe that was the case that it was that somebody was feeding him alcohol to get him to do that, that it was supposed to be publicity. I, I think as the, I think given everything that's happened since then, that that was all genuine. Like, that that was a spur-of-the-moment thing, because why else would he kamikaze his career like that? And I think all, like, given that he's done so much more public, embarrassing shit since, yeah, why I was going to say, uh, you know, the, the omelette you finished thing, like, that was, uh, I think in the grand scheme of uh public i don't even know if embarrassment's the right word but in the grand scheme of kanye you know publicly showing his ass in various different ways that is extremely low in the totem pole because at least it was like it was it was born out of uh a a like it, it was it was not um how do i say this Sure, he kamikaze. He was perceived to have kamikaze his career in the in the moment, but that was nothing compared to taking stances, public stances, ten years later that are actively hurtful to a lot of people. Not just stealing Taylor Swift's spotlight in two thousand nine. Correct. So, so anyway, so basically, the Jesus rollout was. I mean, if you look at the timeline, he bounced back from the VMA Taylor Swift thing, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, politically, like politically, critically acclaimed, complete uh, recovery, pretty much across the board. Everybody thought so. And that was actively contrived by him to be that, like, in terms of the way he assembled it. Like, the album ends with a standing ovation, much like Mad Villainy. Like, he assembled that expertly. And then Visa in a way, was assembled that way. It was, and it wasn't. It was the beginning of him publicly on the fly, not knowing how to finish things. Pablo would be the apothesis of that, I think. Or at least, like, I think Pablo would be him taking this template and then actively actually not knowing how to finish it. But from what I recall about the Yeezus rollout, it was contrived imperfect, contrived spontaneity is the way I would put it. Like, the... The SNL performance, which, by the way, I think still holds up as brilliant. That I did watch. And I still think that is absolutely brilliant. That is that and both and the Twisted Fantasy SNL performances. I think it's you're never going to see that on SNL ever again for fucking certain. No. And that's it. You also will never see a performance that good in SNL again. For sure. Both of them. I think like people forget. I think people maybe forget a little bit about the Twisted Fantasy SNL performances. Those are also remarkable aesthetically and performance wise. Even the Pablo ones are quite good. They're messier. But they're still quite good. But the twist, um, the Yeezus ones, the not for sale, sometimes they circulate as because of what he puts on the background there, like the quote-unquote punk rock aesthetic of all of them. They're just fucking incredible. But like the mm-hmm. like the whole Paris, the um, 
projector thing he does with that, the no singles, the no artwork, everything. Like, I think that was all contrived to look spontaneous and avant-garde, but it was also all thought out. And one of the things I remember from the um, critical reaction to it, obviously, um, the best reactions were by Weiss. Weiss had the best, most thoughtful considered reactions to Jesus. I think there are a lot of, as always with Kanye, knee-jerk, poorly thought out, surface-level takes, but Sun Ra, Jeff Royce, etc., had knew what Kanye was up to and knew how to read him. And I think, I forget if it was Jeff or Sun Ra that had the take that this was a Bowie move. Um, mm-hmm. That he was very consciously, and I think that um, I'm, both of them were always very critical of Kanye, Jeff especially in the future. Like, Jeff would absolutely savage the Wyoming stuff. I don't think he liked kids see ghosts. Um, but I think it was Sun Ra that was talking about how Twisted Fantasy and he didn't even like Twisted Fantasy, but he said Yeezus was still a raucous statement in the vein of Bowie, but it was a more effective raucous statement. And you can obviously take it that way. Like the SNL performances. I know I'm like all over the place with this, but again, that's the nature of discussing Kanye, the nature of discussing this rollout. And I think you can kind of, I was thinking about this. Again, I'm being really discursive here. In the past month, I've had, without going too much into personal detail, and I think why you're going to have to to help my job prospects a little bit, edit the intro a bit to where we shit on Ace Hood a little bit, um, cut in there. Um, but I had a lot of free time in the past month, and I was reading a really great RYM list about the 500 worst Rolling Stone articles of all time, Rolling Stone reviews, and they cover mm-hmm. a lot of David Bowie in there in the 70s. And one of the fascism, who does that remind you of? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh. I like this also was Kanye just starting to really follow in the Bowie footsteps. Like he does the maximalism, then he does the avant-garde retreat, and then he does the we really need a strong man leader type thing. And I didn't even think about this until another RYM thing I read. Um shout out to back in ninety-nine, who maybe one day I'd like to have on the show too do our Capadonna episode because um, Mizza is no longer an RYM user. He would be the expert. Um, he points out his, he did a recent review of Pablo. It was the Pablo tour where Kanye started um, openly endorsing Trump. So mm-hmm. I feel like it was even earlier. Cause I always associated the Trump pivot with Wyoming prior to Wyoming. He puts out that dog shit single with T.I. Yeah, and that, and that's when it, that's when it was like upfront in the music. For sure. Pablo just has. Right. It's not in the music in Pablo at all, but it was Pablo tour mm-hmm. that he starts saying it on stage. Right, right, right. Like, but I think that, again, I think you can all trace this back to Jesus, I think, is where he really starts taking that sort of. It's a raucous sort of statement. And this is all without even getting into the music of Jesus, but I think that also starts to reflect his loosening grip and i think the music itself is a great wet like i think that you can kind of retroactively view it as a portent of all that which is a really really long walk to say yes it holds up it was great then for <laughs> reasons, and then like i think that it was polarizing at the time like you listen to it for the very first time and then i think what i want to do is stop fucking rambling like an idiot and then let you talk about your first time listening to it and your reaction to it um because i think it was intentionally abrasive 
but it was intentionally abrasive in a way that is still much like the rollout calculated like because ultimately mm -hmm. a craftsman and it's calculated to be off-putting but still from a mainstream craftsman sort of way like the first track is super dissonant but it's dissonant with daft punk if that makes sense like it's not dissonant like mayor's bow yeah yeah so and then black skinhead like obviously he's you know trolling you he's antagonizing you with the title and but what's the reference point there it's either depending on how you read the drum beat like the it's not according to who sampled it's not a sample but it's invoking the beautiful people from another great dude marilyn manson who didn't you know certainly nothing wrong with that guy right uh and kanye certainly wouldn't fucking drag him up years later uh no, not Again, so many weird fucking portents here, but it says a lot about the quality of the music that you can see all these, like, signs in the music or, like, red flags, I guess, even, and the music itself still holds up. Literally the only thing that I can think of, because I listened to it fairly recently, I get, like, once again, I hadn't listened ever since he did the real, real, I no turning back pivot for me, which, as I've said on the show, was Nick Fuentes. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't listened to any of his projects. I listened to literally a handful of songs for review purposes that I kind of gritted my teeth through as like one song in the game album or whatever. Um, but before that, this song was a staple in my running playlist. This album was a staple in my running playlist, except for I'm In It, which I grew to appreciate a bit over time, but never really worked for me. But other than that, for the past decade, this was a staple. And it always held up, even when he would do dumb shit in public. And I could call back to this and be like, yeah, we could see where that was coming from from here. But no matter what, it always held up for me. And I could find more and more to appreciate with it over time, too. And we'll get to that, too, when we unpack the music. Because I think you said something in the server about how they're, for such an abrasive album, there are so many moments of fucking beauty in it. And we can talk about those, too. But the first thing I want to get to, though, is what was your initial impression when you first like listened to it? Yeah. So this was 2013. Uh, I was, I had, I think it was right around the time that I had just finished my freshman year. I was 15, and I. This was the year that I really got seriously like into music. You know, just because I had a lot of time on my hands, and one thing led to another. You know, you, you, I'm very voracious when I get into a new hobby. So, but Kanye, he wasn't a part of that. Kanye was somebody that, since I could basically recall what rap music sounded like. He had been a, a staple for me, so I was already, I was listening to Kanye album regardless, and I was very familiar with contemporary hip hop because that was what I primarily listened to. But in 2013, I was really my previous music listening was like you know contemporary rap like from 2000 onward, and um, you know like some indie rock stuff at the turn of the decade there, and then like some you know whatever was contemporary pop. Needless to say, this was very jarring. Even though Kanye had, um, you know, listening to Swiss of Fantasy for a couple of years at that point, you were used to different things because Swiss of Fantasy was different than what I had heard at that time because it came out, I think, when I was, you know, 12, about to turn 13. So it, it wasn't, Swiss of Fantasy was unlike anything I had ever heard. Um, so I was used to that with Kanye. Jesus, I remember liking, and I remember really, because like I said, when you're getting into music, you read a lot of reviews. You just mentioned reading some some not-so-good ones. But um, I remember reading a lot of the writing around Jesus at the time, 
and trying to discern why X person or X publication liked it as to whatever it did, people did. Because while it did have some negative reviews and it was polarizing like online, it was pretty well received uh, critically. Um, there was it, it was lauded for a lot of things and and rightfully so. So I remember first listen on site, very disorienting, not something I was used to. I remember being taken aback by some of the lyrics and stuff on like New Slaves and and what have you. Blood on the Leaves also left me very disoriented on the first listen, and then I don't remember much else about the first listen because subs, you know, in the ten years since, and especially in the period between like 2014 and 20. 19 2018 i listen to this album a lot of times i i think this has been at some point in my high school college experience i would say maybe college overtook twisted fantasy as my most listened to kanye record and probably my favorite it's one of those two um and i think just Jesus, i think of all of his records it's aged it's definitely aged a lot but something about it to me, just the music is still, it still feels razor sharp. Uh, you know, it, it's a, it's kind of a miracle of an album and how he stumbled into, I think half stumbled into this like greatness um, and how, yes, it was like contrived a little bit and just in terms of how it was packaged and whatnot. But the music on here is just, there's something that transcends even how it sounds, there's an emotion to this record that I don't think he's had it since. He's had it, he had a good amount of it on Pablo. Obviously, he had it on Twisted Fantasy and he had it on 808s. But I think from like 808s to this album, this era of Kanye, there was there was some sort of raw emotion that I can't, I don't even, I don't even know if I can describe, but it's something that I think has completely left his music, even on Donda, an album that I liked. It completely left it. It's like so raw and so wholly unique, and it makes you buy into the whole he's a genius, yada 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 bullshit. Not that I'm calling it bullshit. I just think some of the reverence is bullshit. And I, and speaking as someone who used to revere him, so I'm calling myself out from like you know eight years ago. So overall, I think like this album, first listen, I liked it, and then you know. 20th listen it was i knew it was going to be around for a while and the songs that i liked but kind of had reservations with i grew to love you mentioned i'm in it like i fucking love that song even though it's an objectively stupid song but it also is like to me like undeniably great the mismatch of things he puts in there um a song like send it up you would not think would be great, but to me, it's like one of like the most quotable like songs yeah. from this whole like Kanye era. So there's a lot to it. And speaking on the writing, Lou Reed wrote a really good review for this album. Now this is you know years ago. I don't remember all of it, but he said something to the effect of like, if you like sound, listen to the sound that you know Kanye is giving you. It's awe inspiring, and that's kind of that that's kind of how I um. That's kind of how I feel about it. Like, I think it is overall, it's a manic-ass album. It should have been a huge disaster, but I actually think it ended up becoming his best work. And I also think that he was never the same as an artist or a person after it. I think that's an excellent way to put it. 
I think that was an excellent way, by the way, of Lou Reed, rest in peace, to put it. And he would be the expert on that because Lou Reed had his fair share of disasters in the same way, experimenting with sound and distant and like, you know, avant-garde sort of things. And I don't, again, I feel like this is an album that plays at being avant-garde and in some ways is in some ways. I feel like the presentation is more avant-garde necessarily than the, I'm going to use that term way too much, I feel like already, than the actual delivery, like certain things like the very beginning with the sound that I feel like is supposed to be like feedback just blaring at you with like, it sounds like plugging in an amplifier, I guess, with on-site's intro and um, the tonight break, uh, the horn break on Blood on the Leaves sort of thing, the siren on Send It Up that's very abrasive. But what I think is most impressive about this is it takes the what he sort of started doing on Twisted Fantasy was the cast of thousands collaborators. And on Twisted Fantasy, I feel like it's used to a perfectionist aspect of making everything sound in concert with each other. Like you have something like Monster where everything is assembled one after the other to build to like the Nikki verse or so appalled where everything works in heart, like every verse works next to each other. Um, if that makes sense. And it's just a sim like twisted fantasy is a symphony. And this is a brawl. Isn't the right word. I don't know, but like, cause all these pieces should not work together. They're jagged edges, but they do. And I feel like this is maybe where, I mean, and Pablo would take this to an extreme in a lot of way, like both in the rollout and the execution. Like that's where there are like five versions of Pablo and then it would just go completely off the rails. But yeah, in terms of sound, like every track sounds different individually and next to each other, but put them together and it's just a remarkable piece of work. Like even the ending, like think about the way the album ends. It ends on a hard cut. Like, how did that sounds that sounds he he it ends I I heard this from somebody I don't know who it was this is years ago but he gives you the song you want to hear with bound to at, at at the last track that's the old Kanye right that's yeah. that's 2007 Kanye and it's on the last song after he gave you nine songs of not what you wanted theoretically yeah I mean there's like there's also that meta textual aspect to it as well like. And there's even layers to that as well. If you kind of think about, like, I always like to think of send it up a little bit. And I don't know if this is intentional or not, that siren. That's him kind of invoking the Dilla siren. And I might just be reading that there or not, but he's amplified it to such an obnoxious degree. And who does he have on there? He has a drill rapper on there. True. Is it, can, I, can you get my friends in the club? Can you get my pens in the club? <laughs> Right around on my back like a print, like a print. My body got back like print in the club. I mean, that, that song is so funny. That I know, it's is... so funny. I think the other, like, you talk about the writing. I think one of the big accomplishments of the album is that the lines are so stupid, but they all sound so good in context. With the exception of, I will say, I'm in it. I can see the argument for I'm in it. I'm not going to quote the lines from I'm in it. because no. I, I, I just think it, the, 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 the putting the... Um, and putting a, like, a dance hall... Putting like a dance hall rapper on it, and then like having like him do a feature, an incredible like you know impassioned feature, and then we smash cut Justin Vernon angelic ass white boy vocals over these like sirens and thumping bass in the background, and then like Kanye coming in like I'm, I'm, I'm in it, like it's just so audacious that he did that shit. <laughs> Yeah, like, there, there is the, like, and there's even an audacity of context, too. Like, you think about something like, 
the how do I put this? Like what he talks about on new slaves, like slavery, which is by the way a topic that he would get way more, let's say, audacious in yeah. talking about in the future. Then he's talking about like I would say that there are some really moving lines about his familial experience and the whole black experience on there. And then he ties it together with his experiences in the professional world. And he somehow makes that work, granted from my perspective, and I'm perhaps not the one that should work for, whether or not it works for me should not be important. But for the purposes of the song, I think that works. And then you have the metatextual aspect of he brings in like you want Kanye to give you a soul sample and he gives you that absolutely fucking heavenly outro with Frank Ocean. And he makes Frank mm -hmm. sound like a soul sample. That's him metatextually giving you the old Kanye in a new way. And then you have blood on the leaves. Again, he takes something that's so contextually inappropriate with the Billie Holiday and what he's rapping about should not work together. It's audacious, but he makes it work. And then he has something as abrasive as the Tonight sample and the horn break, which he pulls together with the Tupac quote, which is one of my favorite moments on there. And then you have yeah. the, and um, on another one of my absolute favorite moments is one of the stupidest fucking lines he's ever rapped on Guilt Trip. You know the line. Yes, yes, I, yes I do. <laughs> but then he brings it in with maybe my single favorite isolated Kid Cudi melody of all time. You, you, you ever, uh, you, if you ever go to karaoke, Patrick, you gotta hit the, hold the air mic and be like, whoa, 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 like a Kid Cudi vocal. <laughs> so much, then why'd you let me go? Whoa, whoa. Yeah, I have not. I actually quite enjoyed. King Cuddy was really channeling like 2000s emo right there with that one. I, I respect it. Yeah, I I actually quite enjoy doing karaoke. I don't know if other people enjoy me doing karaoke. I certainly don't <laughs> think they enjoy me doing Kid Cuddy karaoke. <laughs> it's just it's just you you'll just hum the whole time instead of doing the actual lyrics. You'll just you'll just do the hums. I'll, I'll just I'll just do metamorphosis. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly exactly just but only parts. only the cardi parts only the cardi parts but yeah i feel like the juxtapos like it's an album of juxtapositions and he's never like i feel like he's tried to do that ever since the only time he's really truly come close is kidsy ghosts and um isolated parts of donda and donda was just way 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 too scattered but at that point, he was probably too far. And I really, really like Donda. You can listen to the Donda episode. I think that's actually probably one of our better episodes in terms of making a case for an album. Um, and it also helps we put it up against a really bad album. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I, that's one of my better ideas I've ever had is just putting them t back to back together because I knew that there would be a nice runway of, of shit and that it would be good. I mean, um, Drake really served that one up like a softball across the plate, though, with their fucking... Yeah. Because, by the way, Donda could have been mid, and it still would have been uh, light years better than the train. But, uh, yeah, it's it holds up. I mean, if I I feel pretty confident in saying that had I listened to it, which I actually, I wouldn't have, like, it was just a very personally busy, like, in terms of not having the time to listen to it. Like, you'll probably remember when you brought this idea up, if you had brought it up and I was at my house, I would have listened to it, but I was mm -hmm. having a very nice Father's Day in the park with my daughter, which is not That's the true. appropriate time to be listening no. to Send It Up or I'm In It or Blood uh, on no, the Lead. No. So, that's a or any song. I Am a God featuring God. 
<laughs> yeah, it's also a funny album. Again, and I feel like that's another thing that Kanye's lost over time is humor. Like, say what you will about Donda, not a very funny album. Kids See Ghosts, although it does have some funny punchlines, not a very funny album. Donda no. too, not a very intentionally funny album. No, the, the, the Kanye humor on the, fir- on the first three records... And then, you know, 808's not much humor there. But then Twisted Fantasy, Yeezus, and Pablo, very funny albums. Like, in, right. a, in, a, in a goofy way that isn't, it's like a hair corny, but it doesn't detract, you know, from it. Um, obviously, you know, there's so many lines. But you, you mentioned Blood on the Leaves. Blood on the Leaves, to me, and I've always felt like this, is like the runaway of the album. Different than Runaway, obviously, because it isn't, like, as overtly melancholic. But... He has the whole like warbled auto tune outro again. He has like it's it feels like the centerpiece, even though you think, well, New Slaves should probably be the centerpiece. But Blood in the Leaves feels like the centerpiece, and it's just inc- I mean, once again, a bunch of things on a song that shouldn't work. And not only does he make him work, he makes him formulate into a highlight that's better than you know most of the songs that came out that year. Like it's just unbelievable to me that he was able to do that. And we haven't even talked about, I mean, New Slaves, I think, is a top five Kanye song. And I think this song is a top ten Kanye song. We haven't even talked about Hold My Liquor. We And I really, yeah, Hold My Liquor, I think, deserves credit for Because I think that song is actually a miracle in terms of, once again, putting a, putting disparate things together and then working, like, to perfection. Right. Hold My Liquor, I would say, deserves credit alone for fully selling me on Chief Keef. Like, Chief Keef, I was already well on my way, Like I would, but I would still say at that point, I was like, eh, Chief Keef's like a singles artist. But mm-hmm. then I was just like, you know what, if he can do that, I owe him a full shot. Between that and um, Nobody, the song, right. I was like, it's not, it can't just be that it's one of those things like where he's an artist that only works with Kanye, like, I don't know, Bon Iver or a certain guy who put hands on Rihanna, who I can literally only listen to in the context of a Kanye, context of Kanye song. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I know. I think you're, uh, I think you're hundred percent right. And just like the way that they, the way that that song comes in, I mean, the, the outro, I mean, the outros on this, on, on the, at the middle of the record, the outros on, on new slaves, hold my liquor and blood on the leaves. I mean, just beautiful. Like that's, that's, that's real music right there. Like, there's just no other way about it. And, uh, the whole like you know okay I smashed your or I slightly scratched your Corolla okay I smashed your Corolla is one of the funniest things he's ever said. Yeah, it's yeah. There's so many I, we could literally turn a whole episode. We could do a whole episode about this. So mm-hmm. we should probably just you know much like the end of Bound to hard cut now. Yeah, tra- tra- transition it. But at the same time, I you know I think it was nice to have this retrospective because. For me, as I've gotten older, it's definitely like bare minimum the second best Kanye record, and I think it's the album of his that if I had to pick one to listen to, I, I would I would listen to it just because of like I said, it still feels like it's on the razor's edge. And one last thing before we go and and, and do the actual topic of the episode, we got I, I know this was a dead narrative like six seven years ago. I hope. We gotta stop with the death grips, Jesus stuff. I, at least I hope we did. Like, please, like, and this is coming from a person who, of all their, over, you know, I think the Money Store is still like their defining statement. I still think it's a terrific record. Get that shit out of here. Like, don't even is not even close. They're doing something way different. 
you're basically just doing internet forum kids. You're just doing the shit that JPEG talked about where you're putting one black artist against another black artist because the, they're, they had a song that had electronics on it on this, on an album. Like get the fuck out of here. I'm sure even like MC ride and, and company would tell you that that was not Kanye. Kanye was doing like Chicago house and dub and, and dance hall stuff. The money store wasn't doing that shit. No. Um, yeah. You're right. Thinks you're dumb. Zach Hill thinks you're an asshole. Uh, also, yeah, and that's going to be a recurring theme of the episode once we get to the proper episode is, yeah, you people in comment boxes need to fucking stop it. Yeah, Jesus, it it, it, it's gotten too bad. I, I used to be I used to be pro, but I've 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 come around on on anti comment boxes. <laughs> now, doesn't sound like death grips doesn't sound like dialect it doesn't sound like saul williams it sounds like kanye west it sounds like chicago no matter what dumb shit he does in public this album will still hold up period point blank end of story 100 percent. and so now let's talk about some music from this year yeah and so basically same for you know we've done this a few years now you, you should already know the deal basically loose format uh similar to our year end except we only really focus like there's going to be no order to it with the exception of we'll settle on what we our favorite thing at the very end of the episode, but similar format to the year end. And that we're going to start with the worst stuff we've heard, maybe touch on some disappointments, some surprises, and then mostly focus on the good shit because we don't like to dwell on the bad things. But unfortunately there were a few bad things, including some bad comment boxes. Cause y'all need to fucking stop it. Y'all need yeah. to stop taping for fucking landlords. Cause like, <laughs> tell you to stop caping for fucking landlords but we apparently need to have a discussion but the first thing i'd like to apologize because we're gonna get right to it is i feel like i we the podcast invoked this we willed this into existence the worst thing i've heard all year because this this fucking troll this goblin as it were was not around for the better part of the past 10 years i don't know where she was but we mentioned her on a recent episode we did and I said we will never speak of her again because I didn't think we were going to have to because I thought she was well in our past. But um, Vanessa, V Nasty, she's back. She's back. Call yeah, call the fire department because DJ Smokey cannot stop his addiction. We need to have a talk with DJ Smokey too. And his addiction. Oh, we di- a dialogue needs to be started. Yeah, absolutely. His addiction to working with not just mid rappers, bad people, the worst rappers. Worst thing I heard this year is uh, DJ Smokey, V Nasty, and Christ Dillinger. I don't even remember what the fucking song is called. It's like Heaven Help Us, Heaven Something or Other. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't listen to it a second time, so I have no idea what it's called. I put my ears it through has enough. Some horrible, obnoxious emoji cover art. Um, v Nasty goes not even 15 seconds before she uses that word, and she uses Classic. it multiple times. Classic. It's, could see it. Could see it coming. Yeah, it's it's absolute dog shit. Um, I I'm actually more mad at DJ Smoking than anybody else because you know you, you know V Nasty is just going to be the worst thing you've ever fucking heard, and he's just and crazy. And, 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 and DJ Smokey has been a person that you know we both have praised on the podcast throughout the throughout the history of this podcast. You know because he's he's been a collaborator on great great records. He's and done good like, stuff as of this year. I think he probably right. got a. Like the past two weeks, actually, but yeah. he 
and appa- but apparently this whole shadow wizard money gang shit is like really bad. Like apparently it's really horrible on social media. Like he's really into the meme shit and there's no worse meme shit I can think of than dragging V nasty out of wherever the fuck she was and doing this horrible. Um, no one needs this other thing. No one needs Megan fucking trainer doing. Now you talk uh, about, you talk about uh, stuck in the mid 2010s. Jesus. But she never went away. V nasty went away for quite a while. At least. No, I, I guess I guess Megatron never went away, but I don't think she had like a hit, you know. But then she came back. She came back with a vengeance. Uh, well, no, she had that one song that uh, uh, Gucci, my Louis Vuitton, that like fake Amy Winehouse song. Oh yeah, like, you know, I try um, to put these things out of my memory. That was that was fair enough. Now I I heard like my wife will sometimes have top forty radio on, and mm-hmm. like I would hear this like twinkly thing that sounded like a really really bad approximation of like the Mark Ronson Amy Winehouse instrumentals, and I'm like right. this is like obnoxious but and she's like yeah that's megan trainer i'm like oh and it's like okay she just can it's not as bad it wasn't as bad as old megan trainer stuff but it was her doing the same shit and right but this is actively worse it's uh it's called mother you've probably heard it at this point because a huge meme it has mm-hmm. a dog shit sample of mr sandman it's just her spouting a bunch of tired memes about mansplaining and like mommy dom shit it has an even worse video uh has chris jenner in it um it's it's terrible it's lazy it's probably made her a lot of money it's probably being defended by irony people apparently she's like trying to spin herself as like an lgbtq icon which is cynical and gross yep uh, it's it's cynical it's gross it's lame it's lazy i don't think she's going to go away ever which i I don't have this fear about v nasty i really feel like v nasty is going to just like kind of unless dj Smokey just brings her around more which i don't think there's any real danger of that i feel like this was a one-off on that i don't it made me mad because she's that horrible that i and so far in the past i honestly truly do feel like we invoked that by because there was something that was so forgotten, but Megan Trainer is a sort of like industry. I hate to use the term industry plant, but it is it is sometimes as applicable. And here we are. So yeah, those are the two worst things I heard. Hate to feel like misogynist gangs, and the two worst things I are women. But. <laughs> By women. No, actually, what you're doing is you are. Do- this is performance art. You are evoking what it means to be an RYM comment box. Yeah. Um, so, so, but. And also, shout out to me. I wrote, I wrote like four reviews of the fucking Megan Trainer thing before they finally were able to be posted because she finally put a video up for it. So I haven't even watched the video. So I'm really devoted. Apparently, I'm a devoted hater. You are. I was gonna say it was Megan Trainer DMCAing your your, your review. <laughs> Comment gone. But I will say I will add to one of the worst things I heard this year, which I don't think you have heard. And like, look, it 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 wasn't the worst per se um i i think it is very i think it's more sad than bad and this is this is the space goes per blackland radio 4 mixtape um uh it just doesn't it it look i am willing to give sgp a million chances but it just was not good <laughs> um there's not much else to say about it like like i said it was more sad than bad because it just sounds like he 
it just sounded like he wasn't okay. Um, so I'm, you know, skeptical of like really shitting on it, but um, it just doesn't sound like anything that he has, like, even anything that's like okay that he's released. Um, like, it, it sounds like you're listening to something that that shouldn't even be released. It is is my conclusion from it. So there, are, like, SGP in 2022 still put out like some good stuff, and there was. There is room for optimism that he will like bounce back and still put out great shit because in the last couple of years he's still done that. So this is not an anti-SGP take. This is coming from a fan. Um, but even the diehard fans, you know, shout out to Look at Go, shout out to Too Broke to Care. Even the diehard fans will tell you this wasn't it. So yeah, uh, I was. I think I may have downloaded it. The thing about SGP is I kind of trust you guys to taste test it before me at this point, and yeah. There- negative takes on it i was sort of getting the vibe from what you guys were saying that it was reminded me of from somebody i'm a fan of some of the charles hamilton stuff that comes out where you're just like oh charles like yeah like like, why did he drop this yeah yeah and with charles it's a lot more he'll drop absolutely anything on such a small scale that it's just for such a limited audience i think sgp has more of a reach than charles so this stuff gets out there and you hate to see him get roasted for it you just want him to do better which comes across like a very pandering statement but i mean we're pro sgp we're also pro charles hamilton here and so this is you know you you don't i don't like you hate to see it in that sort of like you know roasty type way but so yeah i didn't listen to it obviously he's come back from worse he's still putting out yeah because there were definitely points in time you know a while ago where you didn't know i mean maybe not on the music but it didn't seem like his personal life was anything um that was like encouraging so you're right he has definitely come back from from, from worse right. uh, like he's real bad like twitter spree lately like it seems like he's kind of not attacking people indiscriminately or you know as as much as much I also want to say that on on top of things that suck, um, now this is not something that you have listened to, but so there's been a lot of writing and you know music journalism and shit this year about the Dime Square scene uh, in New York. It's basically like a a speaking of contrived, like a contrived uh, scene of like you know raves and and like partying and and a, and a type of music that is being called like indie sleaze but really it's like it's not really like indie about it um that was like more core yeah it's like stuff that it's like oh it, it can be kind of like the it's stuff that's like doing a poor imitation of the like hipster aesthetic um i don't really understand why we why we brought it back because like it's not 2010 anymore but regardless there's this one band that um you know has is is a uh has been doing music that got fairly noticed uh as part of the scene and it's not very good it's like you know rave electro house type shit uh not not great it kind of evokes like like a poor like a very poor man's like lcd sound system um, not very good. So that's, yeah. that, that's my, that, that's my shitting on that, that scene. Um, just cause it's got a lot of like, you know, press and stuff this year, but mostly bad. So people, people know that th- th- this shit is not interesting. Um, 
right. And then well, don't really have much else to say. I know we're going to get to a certain record. Yeah, we're going to um, a certain All right, I got three disappointments. I'll mention the two minor ones first, and then we'll get to the big one, which I already alluded to. So the two mm-hmm. minor ones. Um, real quick, Conway put out some decent stuff. Uh, he put out a very good one, uh, EP with Jay Skis, actually. So we can get to that in honorable mentions, if you've heard that or not. There's yeah, really I didn't hear stuff. that. It was on my list. I didn't hear it, but I, I did hear good things about it. It's good. Jay Skies is actually quite good in terms of, I don't even know if he's considered Griselda or not. He's on drum work. Um, I did not listen to his album, but shout out to uh, uh, Young King Charles uh, has been talking a lot about that one. I do have it uh, on my queue, so I will be getting to that soon. But yeah, the EP with them was like 20 minutes. I recommend it. Really good if you're into like that end of Griselda. Um, but his studio album, Won't He Do It? Kind of wish he didn't do it. Uh yeah, like I've actually been a defender of the Conway studio album approach more so than the Benny one, at least. I'm still way more of a fan of the West Side approach because I think he's like weirder, more colorful. And we'll get to, I think, probably the best Griselda studio album since uh, Pray for Paris, uh, Pray for Haiti, I should say, or Pray for Paris for that matter, when we get to mm-hmm. honorable mentions. But yeah, this was a miss. This was a miss for me. Um, I think that he's trying, like, out of all the like guys who should be dumbing that like dulling their stuff for mainstream. I think Conway might be even less suited to it than Benny. Cause I think for Benny, at least you can, I don't know. There might be like a jaded. I, I don't even, well, I don't know. Benny's pretty boring. It Well, Benny's just boring at doing it. Conway's awkward. Like Conway doing like five minute gospel type stuff. Like he's mm-hmm. not even songs. And like the thing about it is Conway doing like soppy overwrought stuff but rapping the same way is such an ill fit. And it's just awkward and gawky. And like I don't even mind like some stuff like hit the like Juicy J uh Sauce Walker track. Like I didn't mind that, but it's awkward. It's weird to see him trying to do these things. And I don't understand why. Like I don't get like he's not going it just—it's like a pair of shoes that doesn't fit, and he's trying to walk in them. Yeah, I—I uh, I, I would definitely agree with you in the sense that, like, when Conway first started doing that, like his one from a couple years ago, I was like, "Oh, this is actually still pretty good. Like, he fits this okay. I like this better than the Benny record." But then it's kind of like, eh. I, I just—I yeah. just think that Westside picks the best, the best beats for for himself. So I'd rather listen to like a Westside record. Yeah. And at this like, point, you know, there's a weird, colorful energy to what West Side does, and I hate. Like you watch, um, you watch Always Sunny, right? Uh, I've seen a little bit of it, but very not very familiar, other than like the famous gags. But right. I don't there's know. Yeah. where um they all go out to lunch, I guess, and Dennis is like there. I forget. There's like somebody outside of the gang who's with them, I think, and then she's what like. Dennis starts ordering for everybody. And then she's like, why don't you guys order for yourselves? And then Max says like, oh, Dennis orders for us. He has the most refined palate. So we trust him. I think they should all let Westside order for them. Order their beats, sequence their albums. He has the most refined palate. So, right. Just don't just don't post on social media for for them, too. That, no, you know. no, don't post pictures about Mar- <laughs> with Marilyn Manson. Um, no, no, no. Hitler, Hitler gifts for everyone. No. Oh shit! Wait. No. <laughs> Balenciaga, draped in Balenciaga. You're right. Exactly. Speaking of people who don't, who shouldn't post on social media, man, you laid up that one for me. Uh, my other disappointment was uh, Talib Kweli. And- <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, good one. Yeah, good one. Um. Yeah, 
this was a sequel to a free album that was uh, pretty decent at the time, but it was just like a free album, and it wasn't that special. So, And now it's a not-free album on an app that a transphobe expects you to pay a bunch of money for, and it's an album full of him whining that people are yelling at him that's a free album about him whining that people are mad at him on social media. Yeah. Um, it's a waste of Mad Lib Beats. Talib Kweli's a very unpleasant person. He gets washed by every single fucking guest on here. Charles, I'm sorry. I'm sorry your hero let us all down. Uh, I listen <laughs> to yeah. Stop posting, Talib. Just just make Black Star albums. Uh, yeah, these all these beats should have gone to Most Def. Um, the best track on here has zero Talib Kweli on it. Um, the second best track on here has mostly West Side Gun on it. It's an old song. Speaking of West Side Gun, um, it's I'd say it's a huge disappointment, but I kind of expected this wasn't going to be very good. But it still managed to kind of disappoint me, and I haven't listened to it since. So, and since then, Talib's gotten kicked off of like every other social media platform. Uh, he's probably on Telegram right now, fighting with Nazis. So I hope he feels good about himself. Speaking of people who shouldn't post on social media. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Uh, Killer Mike, you, you know, you know, Patrick, you know what I love? I love me some good CIA-approved hip hop. That's, <laughs> that's that's what I love. <laughs> well, you know what the left really wants is just people to rap the Communist Manifesto to them. Apparently, right, that's- and and apparently the left also wants Blade albums, which I fully support. I uh, <laughs> yeah, I- <laughs> give me more Blade records. How how dare someone say? You, you you support uh how dare someone talk shit about blade in in a fucking killer mic comment box man man i just it's okay it's not a bad album it really truly isn't but it could not be any more fucking mid and i think there's something to be said about the fact that all the people who don't like it are bringing up like i don't know lyrics problems they have with hypocrisy and all the people that do like it are just fucking bringing up godwin's law and ad hominem attacks and this is what the left really wants and just right all shit because the, no- the left really wants more um you know more, more landlords that's what we want i that, I, I forgot i don't care that, i mean okay i do kind of care that mike's a landlord because he's devoted the past 10 years of his career to yelling kill your masters and kill cops True. like burn couches and kill bankers and all this shit and then he's bigging up himself as a landlord like that seems just a smidge hypocritical but i'm willing to find make an escapist rap album but putting your landlord flex on a weed song with currency is just bad fucking writing and clumsy album sequencing and here's the thing by the way Let's say Killer Mike is a landlord in, in, in real life. I mean, I, I don't know, but he's saying it on track, so I'm taking his word for it. In a vacuum, there are a lot wor- there are a lot, lot, lot worse things you can do in a, in today's hypercapitalist society than be like a half decent, you know, uh, landlord, assuming you're not, you know, part of a mega property management corporation, and you're you you know you treat your tenants with respect. You don't price gouge them. You uh, maintain high quality of living in in the building or house, whatever the fuck. But don't say it on the track, too. Like, why are you flexing about that shit? You're just being a half decent person by you know by fulfilling this this artificially fake job that shouldn't exist. Right. It's yeah, and again, 
I do not. I don't need to agree with you. You're a rapper. Like, let's bring up. Okay, currencies on the track. I don't agree with currencies because about women. Like, right. I don't. But he makes dope music and like songs where I don't. I don't have to agree with him. Like. I don't agree with your old Droog's views about fucking trans people. I kind of wish he'd stop bringing it up, but like, yeah. he makes dope music. Killer Mike has a fucking homophobic line where he makes a Brokeback Mountain punchline in 2023. That's just hack comedy. That's just hack yeah. shit. Like, it's very, uh, he, he puts a, then correct me if I'm wrong, there's a, I almost an album once, there's a Dave Chappelle clip on the record, right? Uh huh. There sure is. That has that. Right. And so it's very ironic that that you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's stuff on, and you said the production's good. The production is good, but even the production feels hollow to me. Like everything on here feels like it's invoking the best moments on rap music, which are which is ten years ago, and it feels hollow to me. And much like the top, like it, like Ron on here um, feels like go with all of the energy taken out of it. He makes Young right. Thug sound boring. Although according to what you tell me about the Young Thug album, Thug doesn't need any help. So no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the Thug album was boring. And like I said, I only listened to it once. It came out today for listeners in the context. The new Young Thug record. I would say that both the new Young Thug and the new Gunna have moments where the the old versions of them shine through that I really like. But this like uh, their albums both feel a little watered down and very safe to me. I, they're not. They're not bad music, but I will. I'm not going to be returning to them. With this album, you just talked about the production. I said that in the server, and shout out to Zach Cause, um, who is the same username at RYM, and he mentioned that yeah, it's like baseline good, once again in a vacuum, but it feels very like artificial and contrived. It's like it's artificial, like you can he 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 talked about like you could put a nice gospel sample there, and it's like a cheat code, because that's like oh, of course it's gonna sound good. But the actual like production of the album is still very safe and and gets bland after a while. I feel like so he was he was right. I, I think that it's still it's still very down the middle. So yeah, yeah, I would agree. Like you said, the best what you mainly got out of it was good currency feature, good thirty seconds of future, and that's it. I would add. I think Ty Dolla is pretty good on it. But like, yeah, like Thug feels like he has no energy. I can't recall a less motivated Andre 3000 feature. Yeah, yeah. That for a second. You got Andre on here. This dude calls in literally every favor because I think he knows he ain't holding shit. Like he waited 10 years and he's not really holding shit except Brokeback Mountain punchlines and flexes about being a landlord. It's mid and it's maybe he's doing that shit because he wants people to fight on the internet for artificial fucking buzz. Charles was right. Nobody talked about that single nine months ago because it sank like a fucking stone. So it's true. And, and in the, like, it kind of reminds me of, you talked about, you know, Oh, he, he doesn't have it. We kind of had a similar conversation about the Jay Leck record. Uh, the one we did with Jay Z. The difference was he got career. He got Jay Z's best rapping four, four, four aside in like what like almost 20 years on that album so there was a reason to talk about it positively there's no reason to talk about this positively right i mean i feel like maybe the epitaph for run the jewels is walking in the snow like that's it like because i have zero interest in rtj5 at this point like no, no. dead so well walking right. in the uh, snow was, was yeah 100 that, that that's like the last song they've made that i remember 
All right. Well, enough negativity. Let's get to anything this year that surprised you, and then we'll start getting into the really good shit. Positives. I I, I love positivity. Um. Let's see. What surprised me? Well, I was happy to see. Um, I don't know if you listened to Pierre drop that Grails EP a few months back. Um, I was happy to see that because remember he 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 was re- rebounding off of that. Uh, I think last year was the juicy you know NFT stuff, right? Or was that? Um, yeah, that was your, uh, Space Age Pimpin. Which... Space Age Pimpin was last year too. Yeah. Um, and then he had that that uh, collab tape with Fraser Trill, which was was not as successful as the first one, not even close. So I like the fact that he was able to to bounce back. And he put this out, and and a lot of these are songs that, or most of them are songs that had been asked for like previously. It's like IG has been out for like in a snippet form for like six years, but it finally came out. Um, Honeyberry Two is also amazing. Like. I really think that uh, this was like a wonderful little EP for the summer, and so I was into it. I have it. Um, I was kind of sitting on it because I think I thought I had these songs previously, so I'm like, maybe they're just remasters, but like I guess they're like expanded, so I will give it a more thorough listen because I guess I had snippet versions previously. Um, as far as yeah, surprises, I think I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I, I cut you off again. I'm sorry. I'm not exactly sure about... Um, about all of them because i'll be honest i didn't know all of them i knew about like half of them before listening but i think that they were out in like snippet format or like you know lower quality uh format so yeah i definitely very two before but i was like in like 128 or something and it was not very good so <laughs> yeah, I, right, right. Yeah. Uh, as far as I, what i've written down for surprises here i had 90s or like early like 90s slash 2000 rock bands that actually put out good shit um, in terms of uh, yeah. main, uh, the Queens of the Stone Age album is quite good. I don't know if you're a fan of theirs or not, but I actually really enjoyed their album. I cannot speak to the one before this, which got a very, let's say, mixed reaction. So I avoided it, the one with the Mark Ronson production. But uh, this one's mm. very good. I really like the guitar tone on it. John Theodore's drumming, um, very nice driven rock, just good rock music. I haven't listened to the Foo Fighters album, but RYM shitting itself over it has the 10 minute single on it. Really like the Melvins album. I only listened to it once, but I meant to revisit it. Um, as far as rock goes, I don't know if you want to consider them rock or pop. Um, and I think it got a, it's definitely charting on RYM, so I got a good reaction. I know you'll have something to say about this one. And it probably actually belongs in, I don't even know if this qualifies as a surprise, although with her solo work getting such a mixed reaction, maybe it does, although I liked all of the solo stuff. Paramore album I thought was excellent. And I yeah. finally got to it yesterday, bumped it in the car, and I like everything about it. I liked the singles before. I don't know why it took me so long to get to it. Probably because I think the cover art sucks. Um, but other than that, I like the idea of the cover art, but I think maybe because of the font, I think is really. But um, and the cover art does fit a lot of the lyrical themes. But I could see myself spinning this all year. It might even end up on my year end if I spin it as much as I think I'm going to. But I think it's a really great uh, articulation of what a lot of people are feeling in this day and age. I think Haley is a really great lyricist. There are tons of hooks on it. Um, yeah, it, I don't know it, it's how fans feel about it necessarily in terms of their previous work. And you know me, I was a latecomer to Paramore. So, but mm-hmm. well, I don't know too much. I wouldn't say I know too much for the fan reaction. But a close friend of mine is a really big Paramore fan. Like I would say post the self-titled 
So, and he's gone back and likes the other stuff now too. But I think we, we were just talking when the album came out and our conclusion was like, yeah, like really good Paramore record. Like, you know, more news at 11. Like I, I would, I wouldn't say that it's one of their best. I would still put it, I don't know if I had to like, you know, rank the Paramore records. I don't have the whole discog in front of me, but I, I don't think it's as good as um, After Laughter or the self-titled. But I do think that it's still a really good record. It kind of is on that like brand new eyes, like riot corner for me where it's really good. Has some outs, has some great standouts. Haley's cooking like she always is. I like the fact that it has a different feel to it. It has that like dance punk, you know, kind of like post punk ish vibes versus their last few were more of a, you know, you had like after laughter was had that like new wave and, you know, dancey stuff. And the self title was more like, you know, just, you know, power rock and pop rock. Like, you know, those kind of longer um, ballads and then, you know, the pop punk stuff before that. So I like the fact that this was more, it felt more, it felt a little bit more like, um, mature is the wrong word. Cause they were always like mature, mature in the songwriting, but it just, it felt a little older, you know, there, there was a, there was a wisdom to it, uh, I think. And a, and a kind of a, an edge to it again, that, you feel like they needed a lot of that time off for them to come back with, with this. Cause there's a little bit of like, you know, outside of the like introspection on it and, and like that usual, you know, kiss off energy. There's like, a, there's some real like bittersweet stuff to it that I think is, I thought was very interesting. Well, I'm glad you said that because getting back to the recurring theme of the episode, I remember there was something in one of the singles comment boxes where they were like, oh, this could just be a bunch of like millennial memes. Like there should be a song about what well, we prefer animals to people or something. Because I'm like, I don't know. Have you been living in the fucking world in the past three years of like a pandemic and, you know, just everything? Because I yeah. feel they do a very good job of articulating lyrically and getting that tension across in the songwriting and everything. I don't know. It's off one listen, but I think, and again, I'm no Paramore expert. I mainly know after laughter and future is my favorite song of theirs, but this actually inspired me. Future is an incredible song. Future and hard times. My two songs of theirs, but there are songs on here. Like I found myself singing along to the hooks immediately. So that's how I know it's, it's a fucking winner. Um, it, it comes it comes out of the gates with like the, I think some of the best songs on it, so that also helps. You know, if you haven't listened to it yet, you know, give those songs a listen. Uh, yeah, I would say it's really well sequenced in terms of coming out the gate strong, but it doesn't really flag in momentum uh, necessarily. I have two mm-hmm. uh, rap albums, hip hop albums, whatever the fuck, on my surprise list. I you probably haven't heard either of them. They don't really seem up your alley. Um, one was a huge surprise because this dude does. Very inconsistent old rapper who often puts out junk. Cool Keith and uh, somebody who doesn't really put up junk. A real bad man, Serpent. Uh, really surprised this was good. Because not accustomed to late period Cool Keith projects being very good. This is front to back very, very good. Good, solid um, effort out of Keith. Like, in t- like, if you get a... You just need to get past the fact that he's not going to flow like he's doing anything other than talking for the most part. But... Full effort. Real bad man. Been on a huge roll. We'll get to him later, too. He has something else that was excellent this year. Um, Ice-T just showing up on rap albums lately. <laughs> I, like, that's... Must be getting really bored, given how bad Special Victims has been these days. Um, and Champagne for Breakfast, Mad, Li- uh, Mad Lib, Mayhem Loren, and DJ Muggs. Um, Mad Lib, uh, much better use of his instrumentals than Talib. Uh, mm-hmm. Muggs, 
uh, we'll get to him again when I do my beat tape lightning round. Um, really good uh, performance out of him on here as well. Structuring is kind of weird. It's like half mugs and then half Mad Lib. Um, this is kind of a spiritual sequel to the Mad Lib Percy P album, Perseverance, in that you just have a guy who's just going to battle rap at you no matter what you give to him. But in terms of that, this is the most exciting stuff Lorenz done since uh, in about a decade. Speaking of decade anniversaries, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like the Mishka NYC wave of like 2012. You might be because that's like when Harry Fraud started breaking out and Fraud did some stuff with Loren. Um, that was like, yeah, vague, vaguely familiar, but not not like super. Yeah, like, actions were kind of tangentially involved in that. Bronson was big in that, obviously, with Loren too. Right. But yeah, like mandatory brunch meetings, which is a hilarious title, by the way, um, was uh, his big tape around then. This is kind of a callback to that. It's definitely um, a certain style of rapping, but these are instrumentals of a higher quality than he's had anything since he was working with fraud. So highly recommend it if uh, you you don't even really need to like this style of rap so much. Like, well, you can like the style of rap or you can like the style of instrumentals. It'll meet you in the middle. Um, Hologram is one of my least favorite rappers alive, and he still even sounds good over this. There's not a track I would miss off this. Um, highly recommend it. So, and if you like food references, tons of food references, even more than <laughs> an album. So, the only thing I would say is no big. There's no big body cameo, and that's one. Oh thing. man, that's unfortunate. So, but I was not expecting Mayhem Loren in 2023 to come out with a project I would even mention on this podcast, let alone one with two of the most legendary producers out there. So definitely a surprise. Yeah, shout out to uh, that. I, I, I will give that one a listen because you, you used a bunch of words that... <laughs> I used a bunch a little, of words. I tend to do well, that. No, uh, yes, I, you did use a bunch of words, but you used some, some words that, that caught my, that, my fancy. So I actually uh, will give that one a listen. Let me see. I don't know. A lot of the things I listened to this year that I liked, I just I kind of knew ahead of time that I probably would like. I think just some stuff that caught me by surprise and that I was... I think stuff like, for example, like the, the Rodeo Glow had an EP this year, Blood Rave, which kind of fused, like, tread with, like, old-school tread with, like, you know, basically, like, you know, very, very dark trap and, like, sigil core, I guess you would call it, stuff. <laughs> I don't know what that last thing is, although you guys talk about it in the server all the time, and that so I might check that one out. Uh, well, Rodeo has been has been consistent and, and is like one of the only few artists that I mean I don't even know like from I would say four years ago when that stuff started bubbling in you know the the deep underbelly of SoundCloud that has managed to like do a bunch of different stuff with his sound and then still come back and make like cool shit. So uh, in in the stuff that he originally blew up on, so. Good for um, you know, good for him, and, and a great, great record. I might even be underrating it because I listened to it a few times. So, but it's only four songs, like most of these things are. So, we'll say I was super surprised by that last thing you sent me, the really young Phil. But I don't know if you want to talk about that later. So we can get to that if you're going to. Just... Oh, I mean that is that's up there in terms of my. Now it's not it's not my favorite, but so if you want to do it now, we could we, we could do it but, now because you hadn't the artist. So that's one of those you know y'all like constant recurring theme in the server you guys talk about something all the time like it's a dumb name and i don't fucking listen to it but then <laughs> you mentioned it and i'm like oh wow uh young armor good okay drain producers and it's like 20 minutes long and i got to most of it um victory music i believe it's called yeah really yeah. Fucking good um some of yeah, the rapping this is, uh... the, some oh, of the oh, rapping no, 
effort sometimes, but still like never not entertaining. I mean, shit, I have listened to more Capadon albums than I can count, as we will get to in a few weeks when we get to Wu-Tang Part 2. Um, <laughs> so I'm used to low-effort rapping over good beats and sometimes terrible beats, as we'll get to when we listen to Wu-Tang Part 2. <laughs> but, yeah, that was fantastic. Like, I thought, like, yeah, you were not kidding when you were saying main attractions-type vibes on that. And yeah, a lot it, of the rap... It, it, I'm to short sell his rapping. It's just like around the end, it seems like some of the punchlines were just a little bit more lethargic than at the beginning. But even then, he was never not entertaining over it. And I will always take white armor and good production. So, yeah, good. and and uh, not to I, I, this might sound like I'm just totally correcting you. No white armor beats on here, as far as I know. Uh, another frequent drain collaborator like Wosum is a uh, is the other producer on here. I thought you said so. it was white armor and good were the three. So um, I thought you could armor. Hey, look, it, is, it might. Let, 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 let's check the let's let's check the hard drives. What did what, yeah. what, what, what did I, I tell you? Said that. I said. What did I say? As I find it, I said, oh, Young Sherman is is, is the other one. Okay, yes. I yes. Who well, also? I, I, I mean, you know, former of, of DG fame. My drain brain went to, right. uh, yeah, there you go. No, you, okay. were, you were right. You were just, it, it was a different drain. I, I, was, I was in the same drain, but not the right <laughs> pipe. But Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, Neil Young Phil was an artist that I have brought up before on the pod in like, you know, mid-year and end-of-year stuff just because um, he had produced tapes going back to 2021 that I had really liked. Um and had you know plugged before stuff like Phil Vinci and Doctor Phil Vinci when he was doing collabs with the, the plug producer Dil Vinci. He also had the tape with Evil Gianni. He had done plenty of Surf Gang stuff and features and whatnot because he's he's kind of in that extended you know uh, list of collaborators that will do stuff with Surf Gang. So I had been a fan. And I really like his. You had talked about it was like it can be like there's a lethargic uh, nature to it. I really like the fact that he's it's like very matter of fact and he has a very commanding um voice and presence that can fit over you know he's done a lot of like traditional plug and sample drill stuff so a lot of that stuff is more um it has like a a weightlessness to it so i think that over these beats while some of them are more propulsive he sounds great over those and he sounds great over ones like talk of the town which have which not only is like a really cool like motivational type song, but it has like a very lazy river kind of feel, um, and it sounds great as this like cloud rap mixed with like some plug tinges, like where you get that main attractions blog rap feel. I think a lot of the songs on here evoke stuff like Leaf or you know. Even stuff like church, I would say opening doors evokes church a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorites of the year. I would probably put it. I didn't. Ex I mean, I, I put together a, a, a topster like I always do, but I put it in the like you know in the vicinity between four and nine, you know, four and ten, something like that. Of definitely one of my favorites. I've listened to it a lot. It was one that I knew was going to be great because the single for it came out a year ago. Um, I just think it's really cool that. He sounded this great over these beats, and these beats were able to comment box again. Excuse the mention, but the comment box was comparing it to Foreign Exchange, the RX Poppy and Good collab. Stop fucking doing that. They sound nothing alike. 
that's that is they're going for something completely different in my opinion this really feels like a callback to blog rap early 2010s cloud rap it's it's a very like it has a warmth and a familiarity to it and a and like i already said like a motivational aspect to it that i would get from main attractions from lil b so yeah i mean you know nothing like revolutionary about the lyrics but there is some there is some um you know personal and introspective moments as well you know sprinkled in the the 20 minute runtime so yeah i can't say enough good things i'm glad you liked it a lot and uh yeah I really, it was a very, very under the wireless and like literally 20 minutes before airtime, more or less, you threw that at me and I will be giving it more listens. I think you nailed, like, you know, my taste that like, again, I was just talking about the Mishka stuff, main attractions were part of the Mishka scene. Um, Bizarre that like, I don't even, they were like a fashion label in the early 2010s, like literally fashion. And they started putting out these mixtapes and like underachievers, main attractions, uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Broad, Bronson, Mayhem Loren, like all this cloud rap stuff. Um, I think uh, uh, you mentioned Lil B. I don't know. Are we going to talk about the, like, yeah, I mean, I missed that. Like that, I was really like. Blown. No, I haven't, you know, I actually haven't heard it. That's totally, well, that's not true. I heard, I, I heard, heard some song. of it. I heard, I heard some of it, but I never, um, I never I rated it. I yeah. I can really talk about it. But what I've heard the single, like I heard Mosh Pit, which I think is, I don't know if it, I don't know if it, good or just funny but i think it's good i mean i find it entertaining at least i i mean I'll, i trust the people in the server who say it's good i haven't had the time to devote to it unfortunately but I'm, i trust that it's good and hopefully by the year end i will have the time to listen to it at which point i'll probably put out like a five hour one but my point being i miss that scene and this seems like it really scratches that itch and you're right about him having the gravity to go over this sort of stuff the authority to command it so when I said lethargic, I wasn't trying to say that as like a diss, like because it feels yeah. like that's the exact sort of vibe you need to have for this. I think to me, it's to me it's more commendable in my view that he has the the capability to sound great over you know um, sample drill beats like stuff the surf gang was usually associated with that New York sample drill scene, and then the plug stuff, the traditional plug stuff that's very like summery, very you know, hazy and weightless. And then he can go over this stuff, which, you know, as we have said, evokes, evokes a lot of main attractions, has a, a bit of a chill to it. A very, I feel like this will be a great fall album. So, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Keep going through, keep going through good shit. I guess on this topic, uh, we have to talk about now you haven't heard the full album, but the, the RX nephew, <laughs> The RX nephew. Uh, uh, um, well, I need to like oh my okay. So this was apparently number one on RYM for a day, and then people who would have never listened to Neff listened to Neff. <laughs> <laughs> it is worthy. It is worthy of that number one title. Oh, no, it, it's I, oh, it's so good. I, I can tell just from listening to so I listened to one song off this critical, which critical, was yes. it, it made my fucking day. I'm so happy I listened to this song. It is just. It was beautiful. It was so full of energy. He walked in like a hundred things and he drove his car, <laughs> didn't have a license. And it was, yeah, I really need to get to this album. I don't know what else. I don't think I've listened to a single Neff project this year, actually. It's unfortunately, which has made probably I, I got, felt like it's been lacking in joy. But um, this, yeah, I've heard all the people whose opinions I trust have said this is one of his best projects. And yeah. For sure. If they're all like critical, I mean, is this the best song on there? 
it's my i think it is it's my favorite song on there and i think it's one of my favorite songs of the year so i'm a little like biased but there are other hilarious songs with great beats and you know great neff performances on there like littered throughout the album it's it's so consistent it's very very uh very very funny and like the charisma is is next level and, and on the topic of neff two things one the amount of times this year that i've walked just or literally walked into this bitch but i i've walked around <laughs> I, i've walked around and i've just been under my breath like walking this bitch get critical Dance moves hitting harder than Ike Turner. <laughs> it's just, it's just so funny, and I can't get over the, I can't get over how 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 good that song is because it is really one of one of the best things he's ever made. But that song is also, um, that song kind of blew up because it was people were doing a funny uh, a dance to it on TikTok where they were kind of like. They, they were they were they were walking they were literally like walking into this bitch <laughs> seriously it was like exaggerated walking into this bitch I, I thought it was actually a rare, rare w i actually thought it was creative and, and and fun um so good for neff for getting that notoriety also shout out to neff for getting rihanna to play one of his songs on ig or whatever uh, that was fun so good for neff you know making making neff some moves up the w's i you know i love to see it um what i thought when i listened yeah. to that you can transition briefly because we already talked about this for quite a while when i listened to that was um i really wish that neff did the collab album with danny as opposed to jpeg oh, oh that's 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 a dream collab that is the dream because i was just like that is so much more the energy can you imagine a neff like, i really Poppy like and danny album. collab i do it more since actually um i have the for a briefly i had the um ne- uh peggy danny album and i'm not going to continue saying the name of that album because it embarrasses me to say the fucking name of that album over <laughs> i had that on a burn cd with what my favorite album is and i'm not going to spoil it although listeners of the podcast can probably guess what the album at, be. at, at this point yeah at this point, <laughs> can't guess you can't listen to the podcast yeah i I say that the peggy danny album does hold up it sounds even better in the car it it really does play well in the car honestly as much as sometimes you don't want actually where i live i don't care if these fucking people hear what they're screaming about it's actually kind of funny to hear peggy screaming this shit out and sometimes you get a look whatever because mostly you can only hear peggy but you can't really hear which is weird to not be able to hear danny brown when he's screaming on an album but those beats actually do sound really good coming out of car speakers um, go listen to the uh, Scaring the Hose Under Ocean Boulevard episode if you really want to hear it, because my opinions haven't changed too much on it. I Maybe they've gone up a little bit. Um, shout out to Aaron, who finally listened to the album, got over the Makami line eventually, and um, he didn't like it. <laughs> he, he, he had incredibly <laughs> low expectations and it exceeded them. He will never listen to it again. He well, finally hey, found out that it was all made on an MPC and had to listen to it, and he was like, well, this beat's weird. Well, this beat's weird. That was a cool wrestling reference. I wish Peggy would shut up. Why can't I hear Danny? That was a cool wrestling reference. Why won't Peggy shut up? I can't hear Danny. <laughs> that was better than I thought it was going to be. I'm never going to listen to it again. There. That was what I had to hear yesterday as he listened to the album. So, but yeah, I really wish we would get that Neff Danny album sometime. And I hope we get Kronta this year. Yeah. And on the topic of Neff, before we move on, just because... You know, Neff had, I think, I would say, like, five just terrific projects so far this year. And you're like, well, five projects, that's amazing. He's on. But the thing that's about not, Neff is he... he that's like but a he, The thing about Neff is he puts out so much work. So last year, 
I don't want to say he fell off, but I was a little more lukewarm on most of Neff's output last year compared to 2020 and 2021, especially 2021 when he was just putting out a great project seemingly every week. It was like the the level of consistency that he sustained was unsustainable. So then last year he kind of had like a, you know, a dip and I wasn't really as hot on a lot of the stuff. Not that it was bad in the slightest, but it wasn't, it just wasn't hitting for me the same. And this year he is absolutely cooking. He's scorching hot right now for the most part. So he, you know, I don't know if he heard the chatter or he just found, he had newfound inspiration, but I think on like the, that album that has critical on it till I'm dead and also like ready to ball and um which is like a lot of brainstorm beats and uh what do you call it um the shardy like rxk 23 the, the the third in that trilogy which is like a plug and b tape there are three very different sounding albums but they all tie the best of what makes neff great together so yeah big big fan big fan of of, of what neff's done this year and uh glad that he's not only returned to form but has really risen to making some of the best rap music of the year yeah, pro Neff podcast. Neff episode is going to be like ten hours long when we get to it eventually. But and also, be- on the just since we just talked about Neff, RX Poppy, Dogstorm, the Brainstorm collaboration, great tape, nice, nice return for RX Poppy as well. So, yeah, haven't heard it. Um, I, I'm so behind. I'm behind on Neff. Um, my uh, rapper you haven't really listened to in the same way that I've been listening to Neff. Um, I'm actually behind on Big Spencer. I know the um, Green Thumbs uh, project was very good. I have not listened to his other two this year, so I'm very behind on Vic. But uh, hopefully by the year end, I will get to the other two Vic projects. Uh, I will say the uh, If George Bush Was Cool project has multiple hilarious covers to it and a hilarious concept. Uh, kind of the same thing as uh, Smoke Dizza's George Cush the Button. Uh, one of the, the vinyl cover art on that is George Bush dodging the shoe that was thrown at him, which I think is fucking hysterical. So. That is That is very funny. Um, that's a good one what else did I want to shout out I will say that in terms of like an artist that you know speaking of artists that get plugged in the server a lot and artists that we've been you know uh, people in the server have been you know big fans of for you know the last uh, couple years or so I mean I really think that like Xavier So Bass is having like a, a really crazy run the fact that he's really making like inventive music at you know the age of like 20 or whatever um it's just so crazy to me because he was making music that sounded way different than this years ago when uh destroy me aka 108 mics or or, uh, shout out to chris um put me on to him he was part of a crew that was a lot smaller and now he makes music in like you know the milwaukee like you know bounce scene which kind of has a like, you know, jerk rap, it kind of pulls from, like, New Orleans and California stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really good projects from from him this year and definitely an artist that, you know, we're going to, I feel like I'm going to be following for a while because every year he just puts out different shit. But Patch Made blew up, which I know you've heard. Um, that, so. I was about to say, I was. I'm going to impress you that I listened to one of his projects and I enjoyed yeah, it. The, the install one, right? The, yeah. Right. And I was going to say that uh, we should probably do a Milwaukee episode. And I was about to say that I will impress everybody again and listen to stuff that young people make. And then you said jerk. And I'm like, will I, I don't know. Will I, it's- <laughs> well, well, here's the thing is the stuff that Xavier. So base makes, I think is a little different from some of the other Milwaukee stuff because he's pulling from, 
a lot of different styles versus some of other Milwaukee stuff. It's more of like the bounce lane, like the 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 New Orleans pseudo New Orleans like bounce lane. Um, people like Ao Lee, I believe that's how I pronounce it, um, who is an artist that shout out to that random guy though. But that random guy though put me on to him last year, and a, other people in the server was a big fan. So thanks for doing that. As always, I forget what his his name is now in our way because he changed it, but. Um, Shout, shout out, shout out to him. So, yeah. Shout out to people on the server who make music, such as Celestiphone, who is still in our top, in the RYM top. True. With a paper cut from the Obit, which has absolutely sick cover art and an absolutely sick guest list with rappers such as Def C, R.I.P. Ferrara, who I'll get to later in the list. Armin Hammer, who you've probably heard of, More Mother, and MC Paul Barman. His best album, I would say, for a new listener, um, it's. Some people complain about his rapping. Those people are soft, and then you shut the fuck up in comment boxes. Um, but even those people admit that this is his best rapping. Um, it's just a really creative, fun, colorful album full of funny-ass punchlines. Don't fucking call it drumless, though. He tells you on the album, don't call that shit drumless. It's a real, like, as somebody who enjoys the sort of recent wave of, like, Alchemist, Mike sort of, Although Alchemist makes a like varied sort of style, like more, I would guess, morose, jazzy sort of stuff. This is a different kind of jazzy. Like people call it Zappa rap, and I think that's a good explanation of it. It's high BPM. He compares it to like mid nineties Bay Area sort of style. I think that's a good way to describe it. The punchlines are hilarious. Like there's like, like the track titles say it all. Like effort latrine, neat daughter, gravid patch, um, just off the wall fucking punchlines. Uh, really good in the pocket rapping. Like I consider it good. Like I think people sometimes can't get over his like high pitched voice sometimes. But if you pay attention to what he's saying, shit's funny. Punchlines are clever, and you don't have to pay attention to what he's saying because the way he mixes his voice. I think he listens to the criticisms and responds accordingly. And honestly, he also stacks the guest list with you know Defsi, Rap Ferrara, Armin Hammer more mother so there are ringers in here if you don't like the way he's rapping for some weird reason and babies with paul barman is like i mean it hits me where i live in terms of what he's rapping about and the place i am at in my life so i have a personal attachment to that song it's kind of a piece with something i'll talk about in the my favorite album of the year and one of the tracks on there too so i really really enjoy this album it's one of my favorites of the year has been kind of difficult for me to actually talk about it in a review because like first of all i see the guy in the server every day and i don't want to embarrass myself and but it's really good shit i'm glad that it's getting so much attention it's been really cool to see celeste evolve as an artist everything he's made has been great his instrumental products have been great i hope he puts out an instrumental of this but i don't think that he deserved any of the shit he got as a rapper and i think that um he's evolved like I don't know. I keep saying he's evolved as an artist as if he wasn't a good one, but like, this is definitely his most funny lyrically. And, uh, I don't want to say evolved again, um, expansive instrumentally. So if for some reason you haven't checked it out, I feel like a lot of the people who'd be listening to this already have. Check it out. So, yeah, no, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I've, I've heard it like a month or so ago. I forgot to rate it apparently, but no, I, uh, I remember liking it a lot. And this was actually the first, 
characters. Embarrassing of me as, as someone who ro- literally runs the server. But uh, I think it was like the first Celeste Phone release in full. So now I have I have homework that I'm welcoming with open arms to go back and uh, and listen to more Celeste Phone because I liked it a lot. So nothing nothing that- positive on, on my end. It gave, I'm sorry to like step on you there, but it gave me a little bit of perspective on um. He said that he uh, tying up loose friends. He actually makes reference to this in the lyrics with something like he said, um, "I released that without the context." Um, I just kind of thought there were a lot of non sequiturs on that album lyrically, and now it kind of inspires me to go back and revisit that because I just thought there were like a lot of things that were just funny on there, and now I kind of want to because I actually liked the rapping on that. And I think he kind of took some criticisms of that a little personally. And now maybe it's actually different than I thought. So I think that's a credit to his rapping. So yeah, like like, I'm always somebody who's like, if you don't like the rapping on something, just take it as a fucking instrument. He's incredibly in pocket on this. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, I think it's a dope record. I'm trying to think of other things. Did you want to talk about the uh, the Zaloopers? Um, I did not because I only heard it once, and I feel like that's <coughs> speaking of people who excuse me um, use their voice as an instrument. He, this is his most rap album, I think, and like because it's microphone fiend. Like he's really mm-hmm. like fitting on this one, and I didn't, I can't really cite bars on it, unfortunately, but it's great. It's fucking good, and I didn't get a chance to revisit it, but it's great. Like. I don't think it's, and I think he kind of released it close to the Danny album, which I thought was really canny because people are going to look for more bruiser shit. I want to talk about it more on the year end, but yeah, if you like the loopers, if you like Danny for that matter, check that. You're going to, you're going to like this. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to like this. I think it actually went a little bit under the radar, um, by RYM standards, considering like the loopers just ha- like his last record went stupid on RYM. So I don't right. know what, and, um, I don't know what the holdup was because it was pretty accessible in my, in my view. Not the R and B. Well, between well, I think his last one was actually the R and B one. That didn't go stupid. The one before that. Uh, yeah, sorry, the one before the the, the Van Gogh one. My, my, Van Gogh's here, yeah, which was fucking nuts. And I've never, I actually have been sitting on a review of that for a long time because that's like a nine. And I think, I don't know. So Loopers has a crazy discography. He like never made a bad out. Like so, Loopers is like fucking alternate universe Danny Brown. Like, actually, yeah. So Loopers definitely was an artist that I liked. But then when the Van Gogh project came out, I really uh, I went from like to love with him. So I definitely since that project, I've been and and the, some of the other previous ones before that I liked, like, you know, Dynamite and uh, the, the, I, yeah, I know Mike's really cool. Um, and then uh, the Jay-Z one or whatever. It's uh, I'm getting the name of that wrong, but you know which one I'm talking about. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, yep. yeah. but then he had the one between Van Gogh and that one, which is like him doing R&B stuff. I think that's the first R&B one. R&B stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's like singing on that one and that one I also need to revisit it's like because I don't think I properly appreciate that but he is so stylistically versatile but yeah Microphone Fiend is really cool but I think I really didn't want to talk about it just because I think he goes out like again based on the title really to rap on it and for something like that much like the um, favorite of the year I kind of want to be able to cite things and I'm probably going to be pathetically articulate when i talk about that album i also didn't want to disrespect the loopers like that but yeah definitely check that one out um yeah yeah no def- definitely worth checking out i want to also bring up um there was a wi-fi god um tape that came out this year with a um another artist who uh, Sudiere, yeah, he's a french artist uh so and it's actually an artist that had done 
a lot of work that I hadn't heard, had very few familiar with. I did some DJ Smokey stuff. I had I hadn't heard their stuff either, but they had a tape, and I thought it was hard as shit, and I was late to it. And all my uh, you know mutual friends on the site rated highly, and they were not wrong, because it's really good, and it's some of the most like impassioned uh, rapping that that Wi-Fi God has done, I think, in a minute. I mean, I liked his albums last year because I like I like most Wi-Fi God albums, but I think you know, this is like... I was some, doing my um, great revision thing that I've been doing recently where I go through like everything from my unrated, so I'm just trying to completely clean up my profile and stuff. Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed, he did a collab with Buckcherry. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was weird, just... Just throwing that out there. Why? Bye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you that. I know. I know. I'm just let me have that one in this move. No, on. no. I'll, that's fair. That's fair. And I know that um, Wi-Fi God did another. Um, he did, you know, did a collab tape called Block Music, which came out very, very recently. Haven't heard it, but um, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's good because you know, like I said, most of the stuff is good. I just thought that this particular tape was great. And great in a way that he hadn't really had a great project in like a couple of years, like 2020, 2020 and 2021-ish. So really, really happy with uh, with that one. So just wanted to plug it here. His best project will still always be Trenches to Riches to me. Uh, you know, shout out to Working on Dying, shout out to DJ Smokey. But also the, the High C collab tape from like three years ago was also excellent. But... In terms of Wi-Fi God, Return to Form, one of his better projects in a while. Just great stuff. And very short, like eight tracks. Somebody who has put out a lot, lot of work this year, um, and you might want to check it, is the God Fahim. Check uh, it. Check it. Uh, I have to actually look up his page, but I believe he's put out no less. going to be like eight albums. <laughs> I, I think it might be ten. I don't know. Um, once I look up his most recent project, you know... The legend, legends who will never die, will have the count in the description. So, a hundred percent, he's already got it lined up. So I have to look that up. But the best of them is obviously the mock collab, um, yep. Notorious Legends too. But even his solo stuff has been very good this year. He's really actually stepped it up. I have not listened to, I haven't even rated Luxury Art with R U dollar sign H or Rhyme Pays or this is a baffling title by the way, Dump God hype in the knock uh, dump god um the knocking of loops what the knocking of loops that makes no sense um but yeah so we have notorious dump legends volume two which i have at a nine is absolutely fantastic with with mock uh mock has something coming out soon don't ask any questions about it you will get dmca'd but but it's definitely it's going to have black thought on it might have jay-z on it um, there's going. There was apparently a poll at the listening party whether or not you will have Fahim or Rock Marciano on it, which is a funny poll. <laughs> yeah. um, two very divisive artists, but he also has uh, what else? The Chess Moves album was pretty good. Uh, I actually have to expand to see what else he put out this year. God, this man has so many fucking albums. Iron Bull with terrible cover art was very good uh looks like a fucking atari jaguar game uh just 
Okay, so I have to find the most recent thing he put out to Gold Chains and Therapy? What? Oh, that's an appearance. Great radio here. A, a laundry list of, of God Fahim solo stuff. You gotta yeah. be a real diehard. Put out to at do least this. ten things. Fahim, he said, like, as he said on Twitter, I am on a legendary roll. Because he is on Twitter, unlike uh, Makami, who on the best thing on the best one of the best hooks I've heard this year is my Twitter pop and I even got Twitter. And then um <laughs> Fahim picks it up, he says, My Twitter, uh my Twitter ate pop and what's up, you ain't checking for a... <laughs> which is Classic. so funny. It's like yeah, that's on Dump God Reloaded, which is also great. Yeah, um, it's uh, the track Butter Levers, which is hilarious. Which um, that's maybe his second best project too. So you can make a top ten of just God Fahim projects this year. So yeah, Fahim's been on a great roll. Uh, I think he's made a genuine effort to improve his rapping over the past couple of years. So I think for a while it was a little bit of a joke that he was like uh, mock sidekick. I think he's really improved mm. past that and. I truly think in the same way that we did the world a disservice by invoking Vanessa again, kind of did the opposite in that I started making fun of Fahim for checking it. He has not checked it in the past year. I, but I, now I kind of want, I want him to check I it. I do. Though. I want him to check it just once. Just, just once check it. <laughs> just so. once. Uh. And also his weird syntax too. He has the fucking one title, the knocking of loose. And on um, Dump God Reloaded, the last track is called The Forwarding of Payment. Like, mm. I, I do not understand the way this man writes. So, But, yeah, Fahim on fire lately. Uh, Mock has an album coming out soon. And uh, I don't want to talk about Droog because he might diss me on a song. Yeah, we, 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 don't, we don't need that. Um, I guess, you know what, it kind of ties into, I wouldn't call it a surprise. It was just an artist that I was only vaguely familiar with because they were so new uh the artist jim legacy who and once again this is i'm going to preface that by saying i believe i'm pronouncing that correctly um had an album this year homeless pop music there's another word in there not not going to say what that is um but he was an artist that i discovered last year because the song dj came out uh toward the end of the year and it was a stylistic mashup of a few things that I hadn't really heard before. It was like, you know, like an alt R&B mixed with like a, a garage type house type beat with like UK drill high, like not not quite hi-hats, but like a, a UK drill element to it too. And it turned out to be one of the best songs of the year, one of the best pop songs. It very, very cool fusion. And he dropped an album this year, and it turned out to be that album was like a great um, synthesis and, and full-length statement of those fusions. The genres on this album definitely ranged from like you know UK hip hop and and pop rap stuff and alt R and B and there's like Afrobeat influence and there's you know garage and house influences and you know some drill influences and even like emo influences. Some guitars on here, plenty of guitars. So you would think that's a little scattershot, a little over the place, but not really. It, it, it coalesces very well in, in to, into great pop music. And it ended up being like, you know, in my mid-year top 10. And it just sounds like it. this is music that is very hard to replicate. 
and um, the, the the user Cal50 on, on RYM uh, talked about that in in their review, where it's drawing on a lot of different like cultural touchstones and already established genres, but the way he blends it together and pulls it off is is pretty unique and pretty artistic. And um, the song uh, Miley's Rhythm, which has a I mean, it has a Miley Cyrus sample, and it's used incredibly. And um, I also want to say that Your Marge's Crib uses... There's a Rihanna song from about 10 years ago called Stay, which is a collab with this guy named Mickey Echo, who was part of a band at the time, and nobody... Irrelevant. Nobody, nobody went on to hear from Mickey Echo ever again. But the collab was like this like kind of not maudlin but a little drab like singer songwriter type tune and it was very very popular when i was like in early high school and that's how i remembered it so when that sample comes in it's very vague in the background of rihanna on the hook of that song i was like where do i know that and i knew it from that song and the way that that is one of my favorite songs of the year and how it uses a sample from a song that i previously couldn't care less about I find that so impressive. So shout out to Jim Legacy. Shout out to all the producers on here. Um, very, very unique and very cool project. Um, I think that if you like songs by, gosh, I don't even know how to pitch it, but I think it has like a a sort of similar swing to a lot of genre mismatches. So if, if you're not afraid to, you know, dabble in some like genre mismatch, you know, stuff then I would definitely, definitely check it out. But yeah, Homeless Pop Music, Jim Legacy, great record. And number seven on the mixtape charts for this year. Good, good shit, RYM. You know, let's not, let's we'll, not we'll ruin that. credit where credit is deserved, RYM, yeah. on the, the second to make me bring up the mixtape charts in a minute. But I will give a um, shout out to Cal20, by the way, um, or Cal50, I I forget which um, number he has, but I, he's a mutual and he often has good takes on stuff. Sometimes can be a bit harsh on things. Sometimes I'll bring up something I like and he'll like shit all over it. But he often <laughs> has, like really good takes on stuff. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I like him. We should get him in the server, actually. Um, good dude. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, uh, reading his reviews. So there, some positivity on the podcast. God damn it. <laughs> Generally, try and be positive more often than not. Um, so just flipping through my stuff here just to come up with before we get to the real heavy hitters. Uh, just looking through my reviews. Boldy, uh, Boldy James, I'm going to get to the Griselda section here, um, had two releases this year. Uh, I said we get back to Real Bad Man. He had one beginning of the year with Boldy, uh, Adu, which was one of those rare art things that took forever to hit the internet. Uh, Boldy, the mm-hmm. two I've heard, he had something uh, called Indiana Jones. Uh, shout out to Wyatt, the Indiana Jones of the internet, saving all yeah. the <laughs> You know, lost the time. Yeah, um, I've not listened to Indiana Jones by Boldy, but I listened to these two shorter releases, uh, Boldy and uh, Real Bad Man Adu is a really great little EP. But the one that I heard more recently was Prisoner of Circumstance, and I know that most people really rate uh, Manger on McNichols as Boldy's defining statement. And I think this is the closest thing he's done to Manger in terms of like personal stuff over jazz rap beats. Whereas right. I. Would Say that uh, a, a I don't know if it's a do or ADU. It's like all caps ADU is a little bit closer to uh, what Boldy did with Nicholas Craven in terms of uh, like jankier, I guess, more uh, like uh, left field type uh, battle rap sort of things. Either way, both Boldy remarkably consistent. We've talked about his conversational flow before on the show, and just 
never misses for me. Yeah, we 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 love Boldy. We're very pro Boldy on the on the show. Right, and yeah, he's consistent and also prolific, and yeah, I feel like on the end of the year he's probably going to show up in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, but if you like yeah. me, would say that uh, Prisoner of Circumstance is the one to go to. Whereas if you like a little bit more experimental ADU and or ADU, I don't know what the proper pronunciation would be, would be the thing to go to. And I know Real Bad Man is very highly thought of, given um, he did the uh, Pink Sifu collab last year, uh, Real Bad Flights. So that would be something to check for on that. But the most exciting result of thing I've heard this year thus far would be uh, Naxaw with uh, SD Nack, um, which... Uh, was put together by West Side Gun. I kind of alluded to that before. And I think he's the most recent Griselda signing. He's kind of floated around their periphery for a while. He's like Al Davino, if Al Davino had a clue. And uh, <laughs> more or less, like they rap in the same style, but he tries to rap on beat, tries to put songs together. They're, they've got collaborative projects, and most of Al's good projects have SD with him to kind of keep him on task a little bit. And this this is have you listened to it or not? I don't know. No, I, I have not actually. I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard of it. So that says a lot about where I'm at. Where, well, that, that okay. says a lot about where I'm at with Griselda these days. I, I have yeah, not heard of it. I, see, I think that yeah, it's it's yeah. I can see Griselda just kind of getting a little samey. This is, but yeah. I, well, the way I sell it, and I sell it in the comment box that way. There I go, being in the fucking comment box again. This is what happens when you're out of work for a whole month. You just start gravitating towards the fucking comment box yeah but the penalty box but but no <laughs> five minute five minute major yeah <laughs> but it's in the same sort of vein as the pray fors paris and haiti like it's colorful it's full of personality it suits sd in the same way that Westside and Mock were good personalities to form a project around in the same way that Conway and Benny kind of aren't suited towards those major projects when we were talking about the Conway project. And it's very funny in that he starts with a Tucker Carlson sound clip and like it's kind of comparative to starting uh, the Westside sound clip with Chris Benoit or like the Hitler wears Hermes with Hitler. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but no, I it's it's like forty five minutes long, but it move it, it moves very quickly. The features are really really well chosen. You get two very good um, uses of Al Davino. I think that if you like that side of Griselda, it hits hard quick. You get a great conductor beat on there, maybe two. Um, I forget what the name of the one producer is. Um, the one thing, the one issue I see on there, and this became a thing on Twitter real quick, is that Westside apparently has a bit of an issue with uh, paying producers for their work. Ah, oh, that that old chestnut. <sighs> yeah, um, Awani, <sighs> great producer that I I have paid for his work on Bandcamp. Um, uh, Westside did not do such a thing and gave him the old, uh, well, you should be happy for the exposure. The old gig economy type thing. So uh, yeah. what? Yeah. Your producers. But um, yeah, this was is he a, telling? He was telling the producer to pull himself up by his bootstraps. More or less, yeah. Pay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there were like a bunch of Griselda stands in the comments who were backing him up on that. But 
so yeah, Westside, don't be an asshole. Pay your producers. Um, producer. the, the bare minimum, guys. The bare minimum. <laughs> That's all we ask. I, I think the bare minimum is to do such, but but yeah, if you like Pray for Paris, Pray for Haiti, this is right up your alley, and especially if you're a fan of like the wrestling reference side of Griselda, this is great. It's kind of the antidote to the whole monochrome sort of Benny Conway aspect of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, that, that is something where, um, you know, I'll, I will check for it. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm kind of out on Griselda just in terms of like making like, you know, great, great music for the most part outside of like Boldy, but I'll still listen to it, but yeah, I hadn't even heard of it to be honest with you. So, what else did I want to mention? Did you want to talk? Because I'll, I'll hold off on this. But did you want to talk about Navy Blue or? I um, I with Aaron and that I'd for okay. So Navy had the one thing he had the quadrilogy, which you right. unless you give him like a fucking organ or something on his website, you can't get. It's still Correct. not even. Um, I have not been able to. <clears throat> find it <clears throat> on the internet and uh <laughs> yeah such and um so then there's the one that's actually you know streamable i have not listened to so have you, i you've heard uh, it so I, I i think i think you'll uh i mean no no real surprise here i think you'll like it a lot i actually think it's one of navy's uh best works so um i liked it a lot i listened to it twice all the way through and i found it pretty moving so yeah, I've heard um, that it's not really out of his wheelhouse in term. I'm sorry to cut you off, by the way. I'm, um, I've heard it's not really out of his wheelhouse in terms of anything except for the lyrical content where he digs really deep in terms of the writing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely a writer's album. And Navy is an artist that I really, I mean, not that I never liked before, I always liked, but my appreciation for him as the years have gone on has definitely increased like tenfold. So, yeah, um, really good album. Definitely one that I'm not going to lie and say I'll be returning to often, but that's no fault of the album. It's more of the the general nature of the the album and its and its content. But I think an album that works very well for like for 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 summer. So I think it could it could be worth a it could, it could be worth a listen uh, in the summertime. Wanted to also mention another album that I know we both listened to, the Yola Tango record. Yes, oh. I was kind of saving that. That's my favorite. Oh, rock. We, oh we, 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 we can save that. I've got plenty uh, of. You know. I mean, I don't think there's any rock record I put above it. I'm kind of looking. Um, I've honestly, this is how this year has been for me. I forget if Guided by Voices dropped an album this year. I know they have a new single, so they're probably going to drop something else. But I guess it was not top tier Bob because I, I'm sure it was good. Um, but yeah, so. Definitely, I love that Yola Tango record. Yola Tango, Yola Tango record is yeah. remarkable. It's They're the best just, in a very long time. A hundred percent, I would agree. I think it's. I, I forget, you know, the whole trajectory of their uh, their discography at this point. But in terms of like the platonic ideal for what I like from an indie rock record in 2023 is 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 that album. Um, yeah. I really like it. I think it is probably their best since what, like Fade, maybe, or At I'm the not very afraid of you. Yeah, like um, it, it might be it it might be their best in like 20 years. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Like, you know, right? I'd put it up there with and nothing turned itself inside out. Honestly, like I think that again, I sort of lyrically put it in the same bucket as. I mean, from much older people as the Paramore album and speaking to like the common condition a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, I mean these, these. I mean, this is a band that has been around for thirty nine years, and I can't name a legitimately bad album that they put out. And and bad is even a strong word because oh, the low the lowest have- album that I have rated from them, it's like three stars, which means it was like okay. I think that they admit that their earliest stuff before they got James on as a drummer is not very good. And I can't say I've heard anything prior to painful, uh, which I believe. Oh, that's true. Some of the, you're right. You're right. Some of that stuff is, is, is mid. I'll concede. They have like a few goofy cover records that they did as like, um, covers on the air and they're doing them improv style you can't like judge those as on the same standard but they're literally called murder and murder in the second degree so it's like they're but that's not like but like studio album wise yeah the stuff but like as the unit they would become whereas ira james yeah painful since since painful i mean they're they've been about as good i mean and obviously you know the run from painful to end not and nothing is one of the great runs in indie rock history so And I think that yeah, the stuff on here, uh, the last couple songs, um, I, I recommend finding a rip that has the uh, untitled at the very end of the vinyl, which is just kind of like an instrumental, but it plays the record out really, really nicely. I think that they do a really good job deploying uh, George's vocals on here. It's mostly Ira vocals there, but there are like two or three songs where she's on. And I think that's just a really nice balance of singing there's one song with the guest vocals too it's just really well done really well sequenced feels mature in a way that doesn't feel like stayed um i know there was kind of a complaint that they um because they did like a covers album that they were getting a little too old persony i guess well first of all they're getting old like speaking as an old person they were getting yeah. a bit but like this band's been around for 40 years like it's crazy you know and they're remarkably consistent in the same way that I think uh, God to buy voices are remarkably consistent, but in a different way because God to buy voices went through multiple iterations. Cause Bob had that sort of Marky Smith, like, all right, fuck you. You're out of the band. Not in the same way. Cause Marky Smith is like literally like to everyone you're out of the band. Whereas like Bob would kind of like do a more normal thing. Whereas like the fall had like the biggest turnover of any personnel in history. But Yola Tango is once they settled on a lineup, they've been remarkably consistent. So yeah, it's a great album. It feels warm and inviting and I, it lived in my car for a very long time and I kind of want to listen to it again now. Cause it's like been a while since I listened to it. So, and it, yeah, it's feels like it speaks to in both lyrically and instrumentally to where humanity is at is kind of how i felt about it like Mm. this stupid world like it's a title that feels simple but resonant like it's such a simple title i don't know but then you listen to his lyrics too they're like kind of basic yet resonant again i kind of feel the same way about the Zaloopers record, I guess I'm not citing anything here and it's a rock record, but I mean, you know what, I, you've listened to the record, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he has no, a very absolutely. spoken way of saying things. And I feel like his guitar style is also the same way too. Yeah. It's it, a great, it, 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 it's a great record. It, it's very comfortable. I mean, that you don't need me to tell you that. Speaking yeah. Of I mean, comfortable and comforting. And I just heard this record for the second time today. Uh, in, I think the first time in full, actually, uh, the Jesse Ware record. 
Yeah, good good call. Yeah, I, I I've spun it twice and I really liked it. Um, I find I think that her pivot between the last album and this one into this like you know new disco throwback like you know seventies lane. I, I think it really suits her. Yeah, it's warm. Um, I do feel like it loses a bit of momentum towards the end because it feels a bit samey, but I feel like that also suits the sound, too. It's, com- it's comfort food music a little bit. Like, and it starts off yeah. with forward, but I have nothing wrong with this. It's a great summer album. I feel like I'm going to listen to it more in the summer. I think it's the perfect album, too, for, like, the world opening up. And I'm the last person who's going to say that, like, you know, anything is over, but I feel like... Mm-hmm. When- stepping out of things a bit and this is the perfect album to go out into the world with i, I would definitely agree i mean it, it had me you know full disclosure those first couple of songs you know that, that'll that'll have you strutting around like that that i was like pseudo dance floor shit though those first few songs so yeah great great record also on a similar tip the dj sabrina the teenage dj had a, a ep um i mean you know listeners or RYM users or whoever um, who, who know you know this artist who know her. I mean, she's one of the best doing it right now. Has made I would argue two classic records already. Came out with the EP, few few songs, four or five Lucy's, fire stuff. More at eleven, nothing nothing too crazy, but wanted to include that because it's on a similar. Uh, you know, this is a, more of a house music tip, but um, just wanted to include that in there on electronic music corner and also. On Electronic Music Corner, um, shout out to Gum, uh, the the record, oh crap, what is it called? See, this is the problem, is I, I, I shout out an artist and then I forget what the uh, the album's called. I know it has Cellophane um, on it, which might be the title of it, but Cellophane is uh, a great song. It also has it, it, uh, Rhythm Seeker, yes, R- Rhythm Seeker. It's like a UK garage record, very quick, three songs. Has uh, "Love You Better" on it, which is which is dope. Um, very summery. You, you just talked about venturing into the world with this is a similar thing. It's like go, go talk to somebody, go go be outside, go meet someone, you know, have a drink or something. Like I have a good time. So that that's what this little EP uh, gives me that feeling. And I kind of mentioned on my log about being a companion but like sister nocturnal version of the jesse Ware album it was also my second listen to this and first in full albeit not in the best circumstances for what it's intended for was the kalela album raven oh sure i mean if you want to you talk about heavy hitters that is uh i mean i don't mind i don't mind spoiling that this is my number one okay uh, well so well, we can we want i mean we can wait a little bit if you want, or if you want to do yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't have a fully formed on that one, so we'll <laughs> obviously I'll let you have the floor on that. Um, that was honestly going to more be a transition to me talking about we're going to go back to hip hop on this one because I've said before about going into the sunshine talking about stuff about this artist before, um, our rap R.I.P. Ferrara. He, um, his recent music has kind of given me that impression and he's put out two albums of granted and something I would say is a bit of a silly way. And this is something I will grant the comment box has kind of called him out on this, a limited digital release, which I think. Yeah. Is, I, I, I didn't get around to listening to it. Once I found that out, I right. this is probably, uh, yeah, it's not an so NFT. Much. It's not NFT. So he's not doing that, but it's like, I don't get it. Like, I mean, 
we're fully pro Rory on this podcast, and I'm not encouraging mm-hmm. that anybody take any extra legal means to hear these, but I don't understand. But these are also two really great releases that he put out. He put out Lilac Diesel, and um, the other one is uh, KEF33. They're essentially uh, demo releases, alternate versions of songs that he put out on recent albums. Um, over different beats and they're outstanding and he has them for direct release on his website he might not anymore because they're both versions of a thousand of digital files it's the method kind of the mean the rationale behind the method here eludes me a bit i have to say Mm -hmm. but it's really 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 good material and you can find it i'm not gonna give you any more direction beyond that but it's really worth seeking out it's some of his best rapping over he hasn't really rapped over scallops hotel stuff in a while and i hope that he maybe rethinks how he distributes this or possibly comes up with a physical distribution method or something in the future for these because it really deserves to be heard by a wider audience it's great stuff it's just as good as his other material recently and it does feel like the same sort of things he was doing on like well it feels like a different perspective on like purple moonlight pages or that sort of like obviously it's the same material and there is some original rapping on here too so check it out if you can find it yeah i mean i will i will definitely check out the other one the one that was not uh, limited it was on my list and i didn't get to it so that's on me because like you said we are a pro rory podcast um i guess in terms of other stuff that i want to shout out to the listeners in more of like a lightning round format if you are a listener that enjoys regalia and like the regalia episode last year and enjoyed me talking about artists like north zan and Layosh, etc the more underrated ones the ones who don't get damn near any plays they both put out stuff this year it's great north zan had a self-titled record um that i think is really good and easily the best like full-length regalia thing of this year i wonder if that is pardon me wonders if that's a subgenre that is or a scene that is going to continue because a lot of the artists that were doing it kind of moved on but i would like to see it continue because i find it very creative like you know mending orchestral stuff and like you know those influences with with like Chicago drill stuff. I find that that mashup to be interesting. Some other stuff. Uh, Dean Blunt put out a really good project this year. Um, you know, Dean Blunt. If you know what Dean Blunt sounds like, you know what it's going to sound like. Uh, what else? Uh, Quinn, formerly of uh, formerly known as Oz Quinn, put out a number of tapes this year. All short, all good. And I would say that my favorite song she put out was four leaf clover which is really cool like soul sample chipmunk soul type song with like a r&b flavor to it so that was cool I'm trying to think of what else if i can we can clear some of the internet brain rot stuff that i like um new jazz gotta talk about new jazz haven't done an episode on it this is a classic episode like last year that me and centaur say or me and ben ak created by rejection would have done this has dominated like my car listening and like my gym listening. It's very easy to listen to a lot of the loops, a lot of the like beats and melodies have just been stuck in my head over the last like three months. Super fun sound. 
And I would say the the um, I would recommend an artist called Zahn, his album. However, he deleted it from the internet. So uh, rip, don't have it, lost media. But I will say that in terms of stuff that you can find and stuff that's gotten a little bit of traction, the Lunchbox record, just called New Jazz, so it's pretty easy, has a saxophone emoji cover art. So pretty easy to pretty easy to find. Uh, I would say that Lunchbox has, you know, coined the term and also has some of the best uh, music in this lane. Amir produced a lot of it. Amir is like a, a mad genius, like one of the better producers in the underground today, I think. Uh, just how he comes up with some of the loops is, is so crazy to me. So yeah. And then in terms of dark plug stuff, it wouldn't be an episode without me talking about Smoking Skull. Guess what? Smoking Skull put out a million good tapes. Go listen to them. Some of them are dark. Some of them are like lighter plug, like the tape OG, which has a lot of like uh, traditional 2020, 2021 plug stuff, which you can hear like, you know, samples from Scarface and, you know, a very light and airy uh, sound. And shout out to Simon, who I believe was the producer. I think he's a French producer. I don't know exactly what, but he's uh, he produced that whole project. So Smoking Soul sounds great over any kind of beat, whether it's, you know, doing dark, heavy-hitting stuff that gives you a headache, or it's very light and airy, like the plug stuff. I actually think he maybe almost sounds better over that. Like, he's his voice cuts through that sound because it's so distinct. Um, and I would say, Patrick, listen to his song um, called Ha Ha, because that was also produced by Simon. It was just a single, but it's very well-regarded. Um, and I think it even transferred beyond our just general mutuals on, on in the server on the site so i think people like it I, it's a very uh, accessible song and it's that same thing i just talked about where it's kind of light and you know sounds like just like a plug song but then his voice kind of cuts through it and is very you know uh, gruff and distinct so that's my favorite of theirs and the collab tape he did with a uh, fellow artist squillo which is punch bros which i described in the server when it came out as I'm listening to this instead instead of drinking morning coffee because I'm a maniac. <laughs> that's that's what it is. It will jolt you in your seat. So yeah, if you wanna if you want something that will you know knock your head back, you have that one. So that's me clearing out some of my uh, you know uh, internet you know SoundCloud and, and adjacent subgenre stuff for the for the episode. But yeah, all that stuff. If you know, you know basically. I would ask how that compares to "Ha Ha 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 Ha" by a uh, cheap key, um, but oh, that was my oh, very very different. But hey, the same the ethos is the same, you know, different sound. But anyway, uh, just real quick, going through my list here. You know what? I'm just going to do the beat tape selection real quick. The beat tape section, nothing that you've heard, I'm sure. Uh, uh, Bat Sauce is somebody that I have gotten into recently. I um, he is, I want to say British. I don't know. Um, he was, I he was. I'm trying to remember what producer, what uh, rapper producer he was linked to who passed away. But he put out a book of uh, jazz musicians that he did sketches of. And then he put out a tape called Dispatches from Don Nang that was uh, basically all found sound samples that he he moved to Vietnam and basically uh, did samples of things that were street musicians that he captured 
from essentially just like his recorder live music that he captured and of the from the area and then packaged it as uh in a one of 50 and then put it as something that you could make as a kite for uh chinese new year and i bought one of those and it's still sitting right now on my bookshelf as something that i'm going to put out for the next new year so that's one of my top beat tapes um, oh no, and um, put out something with Roy Ayers that he released in a very, very annoying rollout as a good vibe slash bad vibes, which is very close to his old beat tapes as Dr. No, which is very cool. Um, that, yeah, that's like Oxperiment, Ethiopian, etc. If you're really like into those old Stones Throw beat tapes, that's nice. Kutma obviously puts out good stuff. Uh, he put out a Priel Sun. Um, so if you like that old Dilla sound, those are good. Um, my two top beat tapes this year, one is by the hilariously named, but very depressing Samurai Banana, who has an incredible concept for his beat tape, um, which is called, and I can't believe that I don't have this up right now. Um, cause I purchased the CD, but I don't have it handy. It's basically a beat tape that has a lyric sheet that's supposed to capture the ups and downs of depression and bipolar. And it's called, Oh, just tired. I'm sorry. Just tired. And it comes with a 15 page lyric sheet full of flash fiction and drawings. And I don't have the CD with me yet, but although it comes with a PDF and it's really an excellent beat tape that goes from like, lo-fi to like almost D&B, like drum and bass, drill and bass type stuff. And it's a great beat tape that I will almost never listen to because it's too intense. Uh, but it's a really remarkable piece of work. And I highly recommend anybody who likes Backwoods type of stuff. He was actually on the Sketch 25 album as a feature. I don't know if he like contributed to the beat or if he was vocal on it. I talk about the, it's like track three, I believe. If you listen to the episode I did with thought foul about, uh, backwoods. Um, so check that one out. Uh, thought foul shout out to him. He was the one who recommended the uh, tape to me and my beat tape of the year is, uh, notes and tones. I said, we get back to him. DJ mugs put out. I cannot believe this has not been formally done before. There was one about, 11 or 12 years ago that was like a various artist doing a tribute to Sun Ra but this is the first real one producer all samples of Sun Ra tape and it was done by uh, no one's ever said a bad word about Egon before and so uh, Egon came up with this with uh, DJ Muggs and it's a remarkable beat tape uh, that was again rollouts done in a really obnoxious way where it's like $150 comes with a bottle of wine. But unlike the last time that mugs did a wine beat tape, you can actually get it on DSPs. So you can easily access this one. It's really well done, really good flips of Sun Ra stuff. Some really notable, like recognizable material that you'll know if you know Sun Ra at all, some more obscure stuff. And it's very close to Mad Lib. Like it's uh, not, uh, very close. Like it's, I would say, probably the most relaxed or jet. Like obviously, it's Sun Ra, jazzy stuff that you've heard out of Mugs, but still knocks pretty hard. 
So, yeah, if you're into, like, it's, I think the most traditional beat tape mugs has ever done. And I, it lived in my car for a while. So, yeah, if you're a fan of Sun Ra, mugs, Mad Lib, anything, notes and tones, check that one out. So that's my traditional incoherent beat tape lightning round that I do on all of these that everybody skipped past. B-Tape Corner. Gotta love B-Tape Corner. Right. Um, my, my goal is to listen to at least two of these. That, that, that's my goal. We'll I see if I listen. Um, whenever I do these. I feel like last year I heard one, but that's why I'm going for two. Okay. Um, well, it's good to have so, I, I, <laughs> You sound like a teacher who's not very confident in, in his or her I, student. I always have like that like disappointed guidance counselor vibe. So yeah, he's like, oh, it's nice to have goals, you know. Well, you listen to Sedale Thread. I'm looking at my Sedale Thread over here, and you did listen to that. So that's true. I did. It, it was very, very good. I, you were not kidding, and I made a point to bring it up on the podcast, and I even told you that you were right. So that was a double win for you. <laughs> well, I mean, that does transition to the next thing I want to talk about, which is the Backwoods compilation, which reminded me of Sedale Thread, which is High Bias, which is based on a reference to Len Bias, another basketball. Mm. Which I don't know if you heard that one, which is it's it's very good. It's not as good as Sedale Threat, um, which does kind of reference again to the most obvious thing ever, which is my number one, which I, I don't know why I'm being like fucking coy about this one. Like you already mentioned what your number one is, but yeah, it's but, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to your number one. Well, yeah, high bias. <laughs> it's uh, Backwoods uh, curated by Billy Woods, obviously the A&R like head of head of Backwoods and essentially like kind of sort of like um the steel tip dove producer album from a few years ago that was essentially a stealth billy woods album starts off with a noisy arm and hammer track it's got some cool stuff like a breezy Bruin, uh breezy Bruin solo it's got an amazing shrapnel track called the crucible on it um it's definitely a bit of an acquired taste sort of thing, but if you're enough of an, uh, if you've acquired the taste enough to look for a backwoods label sampler, you're going to love this, I would say. Um, yeah, pretty much all I'd say about that. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually uh, disappointed in myself that I haven't checked this out because it's got um, a very, very high approval rating from, from a number of, of friends. So I definitely saw it come across in some logs and whatnot, but now I looked at when it was a, uh, being you know rated by the likes of you and you know look at go shout out john and and other people and i was like oh i was very busy around those few days so i probably didn't even i didn't get a chance to to listen to it at that time and bias reference and it includes multiple bars about shoving pals up police officers asses it feels like it's right up your alley right on my alley right on my i mean you you could you had me at, at uh and Len Bias reference, but then you add in that, and I'm I'm sold. I will be there no matter what. And the last yeah. track is an August Fanon instrumental where Billy Woods goes absolutely fucking nuts. It's like one of the craziest Billy Woods verses you've heard. It's just like two minutes of yeah. So I really recommend. Like it's there's been we've been spoiled for choice. I think about like posse albums in that niche lately, and this is right at the top of it. I still think Sadal Threat's the best, but this is probably like second or third in that niche so yeah no uh no question i i would say that in terms of two one of them i wouldn't really say is a pop record but i'll uh maybe uh, in terms of two pop and and, and you know electronic ish uh, albums from from this year that i want to highlight one of which is very very close to my favorite of the year it wasn't my favorite but it was like my number three if i had to have 
you know, rank them. Uh, the Jane Remover uh, DJ mix, um, just called Jane Remover Remixes. Jane Remover, formerly known as Delete Zeke. Um, Jane is someone who I've been talking about in the podcast for two plus years now, and um, has you know been nothing but rave reviews from me. And she has a mix that you know is basically like an EDM mix. It's it's like a you know a, a pop mashup with like electronic and like Jersey Club stuff and. A lot of that it does blend a lot of different genres but it has some of the coolest mashups i've heard in the last few years including all the great jersey club records that would mash up pop songs um i think one of my favorites is how she completely reworks the drake song pop style and it goes into an original, it goes into an original song um, at the end. And that original song is like very serene and beautiful and cool. And pop style before that, how she reworks it is it's very hectic and crazy and whatnot. Um, very, very cool. Also, I mean, has a song that I loved off of the last, uh, off of the album from Days God last year, Tell Me, her remix of Tell Me, which is a great song. Um, there's just a lot going on here. I'll be very honest. There's Ariana Grande and Arca mashup that is so dope. That sounds really cool. I actually made a yeah. note, and I hope I wonder why it's going to edit out when you said pop style because I hate pop style. <laughs> no, you you had it like oh, <laughs> an involuntary reflex. Yeah, I that that's like one. But of those, I'll tell you, it is it is break pop songs where I'm just like oh god damn it. But it, like it doesn't it, it doesn't sound like uh it doesn't sound like pop style. I'll oh, be honest no. with you. Like it is very reworked. Yeah. I assume, like, that's the thing about Drake pop songs is he has such expensive, like, tools that go into them that I feel like you could do something with it. So I'm sure you could. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, uh, the, the, this is a very, I forget exactly, I think it's like 40 minutes, 38 minutes, something like that. It's very chaotic. And then the last, like, 10 minutes is this one track that's very, um, one note is doing it a disservice because it's one of the most beautiful songs I've heard all year. But it's like very low key. The tempo is a lot slower, so it like the whole thing throughout the throughout the DJ mix just builds and builds and builds. You know, it feels like a DJ mix. It's very hectic, right. very chaotic, and then it ends on like a come down. And I absolutely love it. I think it's so cool. Um, you know, Jane did this mix for NTS Radio, so that uh. That makes sense why it was be allowed to be added to RYM. So yeah, I mean, one of the coolest artists working are today. Not many things are. Um, I just want to take a quick That's... moment to shout out to Wyatt because he's going to hate this episode more than anything. Because I'm just trying to think of how many things he's going to have to throw up, and I I just picture him banging his head against the wall about how many times he's going. Well, to he's have... allowed to bang his head against the wall because we're banging our head against the wall when he has any food takes, which will have to be rehashed on a. A future episode at some uh, point. <laughs> I, I almost think we'll one day have to do like a food episode, and it's just like <laughs> he's going to have to defend what a taco is when, like, define taco for L- us. L- listeners, listeners, let's just say why it is not a um, AK kitten puke on RYM. Let's just say kitten puke is not a uh, a, a real life Gordon Ramsay. Let's just say that he's not an Anthony Bourdain. You know, I was going to say that. Okay, so both of your your hosts right now have worked in kitchens. That's true. I don't think why kitchen. I don't think why it would last very long in a kitchen. <laughs> I would like to see it though. 
Yeah. I would like to see it. Um, yeah, I would like to see him sue for a minute. <laughs> like, just get absolutely bombarded with tickets. Uh, oh yeah, I, I quiet in the weeds real quick. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Why? We'll, we'll, we'll rehash this in a future <laughs> yeah, episode. Uh, did we? Did you? Um, I wanted to ask you. Did you listen to the Caroline Polachek record by any chance, or is that uh, just one no, you saw? I, I did. Um, I it might be cataloged. Uh, it's certainly in the queue. I meant to get mm-hmm. to, but I've heard. Many. I mean, yeah, very, very, very good. As is tradition with her. I mean, Pang was great. Um. I was kind of I was hoping for a Charlie feature. We didn't get it, but that's fine. Um, still a still a great record, and uh, she's one of the best like performers too. Like if you look at her live performances and stuff, like on YouTube or whatever, she really gets into it and 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 and, and sells the music. So, I mean, Billions was an amazing song last year, and I'm glad that you know she just kept it up because this has this has some of the best singles of the year it's some of the best pop music of the year it's you know right up there with my favorite pop music of the year in general and i don't think that's gonna change all too much so definitely an album that i think on my year-end list i'll just say it'll be in like the top 20 for sure like i, I don't see it dropping lower than that so great record and and she well deserved for her to kind of have this like solo blow up you know even into like a pseudo mainstream context for her like i think that's super cool yeah i think so. she absolutely deserves it so just yeah. real, before i forget these because i feel like we're kind of winding down here um this was meant to go into the backwoods section um uh, i touched on this real like more than touched on it when we did the backwoods episode but the sketch 185 jeff markey record uh he had he left nothing for the swim back is incredibly intense and essential and vital and needs to be listened to by everybody especially as we just talked on working in kitchens in the service industry i think that especially in the wake of how a lot of people have been left off in recent times i think speaks to a lot of people's experience um speaking of like uh the posse albums and such uh steel tip dove put out um all the weight feathers can't hold or don't hold. I think I'm speaking that wrong. Um, speaking also to um, the R.I.P. Ferrara albums we were talking about before. And again, Backwoods It's kind of a half producer album, half con like a third producer album, third beat tape, third posse album. It's rappers. You might know rappers. You don't know. It's kind of got like a trip hop vibe to it. It seems to be an album about relationships, but also an album about um, it's like the title of it seems to be about a little bit like the idea of when you die, like your sins will be waiting at all the weight feathers don't hold like all of your sins versus a feather sort of thing. And if you think about the rappers on there and what they're rapping about, Paul Barman shows up again. Rory's on there. Um, I think Def C might be on there. I don't know. But there are also some unknown rappers on there, too. Again, I feel like it's all the titles on it seem to allude a bit to a relationship concept. I'm a big, big fan of Steel Tip Dove. Like, if you look at a lot of the albums I talked about, uh, Dove shows up either mastering it or doing beats on it. So highly, highly recommended. Uh, Dove shows up as the producer on this Alaska album that I wrote way, way, way too much about on RYM. Um, 
which has actually, as its cover art, Three Mile Island, which I used to drive by every day going to my old job. Um, and right now I'm blanking on the title of, I have to now look up, it has a super, oh yeah, the Structural Dynamics of Flow. And um, it's very much about being depressed and raising a family and trying to just get through the depression of everyday life. It's a very morose album, but a very wonderful album. Um, I can't guarantee that you will necessarily love it if you are not necessarily in that headspace in life. But I think that it is worth at least a shot. Um, I'm not doing a great job of selling it right now, but I think that it's it's a dusty old head album unfortunately but i think that the production is very appealing if you are into the backwoods headspace um likewise for the album that alaska did with jason griff uh pop songs for the apocalypse which is equally cheerful as given by the title um that's my backwoods slash wrecking crew lightning round section for that i just wanted to clear all of that Speaking of old people being depressing, um, Black Thought and L. Michael's Very Glorious Game. Did you hear that one? No, I didn't, but I, I saw I saw it and I didn't get to it. Oh, man. There's always like a few that I forget. That one I really wanted to listen to, though. Because yeah, Black Thought, you have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. that one um, is excellent. It's a Black Thought solo album, much in the vein of Cheat Codes. And it's, it's a lot, uh, again, doing a very bad salesmanship this is why I got out of the service industry, but it's, you know, great black thought, Philly rap over jazz stuff. Um, I mean, it's, it's black thought. It's going to be great. It's going to be, it's going to be great. And it's yeah. not as morose as it seems. I hate to be like, go read my review, but kind of go read my review on that one. It's it. And the Alaska album are a bit of peace with each other in that there are people who are kind of coming to terms with stuff in their lives. I will say that Black Thought is much more seasoned and personable than Alaska is. I will say, again, and Kitten Buke is probably going to agree with me as he's listening to this, that Alaska has a bit of a whininess about it and that Black Thought doesn't. And that's probably why Black Thought's been a lot more successful as an artist than Alaska has. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, again, a lot of this comes also from my being where I am at in life some certain things are going to appeal to me and subject matter and some things I, I don't know. Yeah. I like, mean, and also sometimes you just want to walk into a room and shit's critical. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Shout out, shout out, shout out to Neff and shout out to black thought. I'm sure this album's great. Like no, it again. really is. It is. And it's actually not a rehash of cheat codes at all. Like, mm. that's a one thing, like, you said something earlier, like, we were talking about, um, I forget what album we were talking about, it was like, it's a Chico, just throw all this stuff at, and I feel like he kind of... The, the Mike album, it's a Chico to put gospel samples on shit. Exactly, I think that he goes out of his way to avoid that on this album, like, he kind of structures it to make you focus on his writing, and he doesn't take shortcuts, whereas I think the Mike album is all shortcuts, and it yeah. kind of lampshades the weakness like he tries to hide like he has all these distractions and bells and whistles and then if you actually try and focus on what he's writing there's nothing there whereas the black thought album like you can sit down and focus on the writing because there is something there there's actually something just yeah. i don't know there's there's uh, a difference 
and for the record, and not that he would ever do this because he's far too smart and far too good of a rapper and artist to do this, but if Black Thought wanted to, he could rehash Cheat Codes and make another great album because he's just Black Thought. Like, that's what he could do. If Black but Thought he, wanted to, he could do an album with a currency feature and the fucking Lord Infamous references and all that stuff and make just right. as good. And do, it, and do it much better, you know, and, and have actual, you know, compelling you know, content. Black is a landlord. That's true. That's true. That's true. And you know what? And score one for point point for Black Thought. <laughs> Not that he needed more points, but there's another. Yeah, he doesn't another need to point. own a fucking like uh, whatever that thing is in Kensington. Who would live there? <laughs> Who the, the fuck would live there? The, the fucking uh, architectural design house, whatever the fuck that is. It looks like what's the um? It looks like like a a how a, a, a bad. A bad Picasso painting type shit, like a house from a Picasso painting, but bad. Where you're like, why are the windows all out of whack? What what is happening? Like something my daughter, uh, Play-Doh. Yeah, th- folks. Uh, Don't get it. I really do. Yeah. Like I, I'm all on that guy's side. <laughs> like, F- folks, the uh, the the gentrification yeah, like, of cities is is out of control. Like, is out of control. Somebody to go on at least in the YouTube video for what we're talking about here. We, for those of you that know, if you know Kensington, you know that they're trying to gentrify it, and that's hilarious. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> There's a architectural eyesore in, of all places, Kensington right now. Kensington. The sorest of thumbs. Too, too funny. Um, so I guess we'll do... Pivot. So we do, we do one more before we get to our... Uh, our number ones because it'll be it'll oh, be yeah, good because your no, your number one is my number two and yada yada yada. So I guess right, the one that you see if I got I was, uh, was going to bring up. I mean, you just listened to if looks could kill. So if you want to give your your take oh, on okay, uh, yeah, all right. You know, if looks could kill, um, I like it a lot, but I do kind of understand the monochrome slash too long complaint. Um, it did give me a bit of an appreciation for Cardi as an editor in his own projects. Not like the going back to our recent episodes, like the content dumb stuff that wasn't obviously supposed to be out there. Right, 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 right. No, uh, and, and you know, yeah, I would say that it is. Look, even as someone who loves the album and has played it a lot, like it, it eighty minutes is, is a lot of music. Let's just be real. But there like, are no bad songs. We'll say no bad songs. True. No bad and, and, and transitions really well into each other, but there are also choice. Like again, one. This is my first listen, but there are choices I would make in sequencing that are different. Right. Yeah. And and I I mentioned this in the server before. I get your opinion on on one or two more things, but uh, no love deep trans, which one great username. Second, shout out to her. Yeah. She she uh, really likes lonely, and she, she she wrote a review that I liked where she was talking about how. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna paraphrase it. It's very short, but she said, "I can't deny that if Looks Could Kill is something like a tonal drone. Nearly every song is some permutation of, you know, soaring guitar leads and percussion and atmospheric elements, yada yada. But there, like, I, so I get the argument that it should be shorter. But after several listens, you know, she she felt that it was. It's she settled into the opinion that it was like one of the coolest sounding rap albums she had heard in years, and I kind of uh, agree with that general thesis. Where the over time, the length of it doesn't affect me because I'm enjoying the individual song so much, and the general uniformness of especially that middle chunk 
really feeds into each other nicely. And it's a thing where if I'm going somewhere or if, you know, if I have like 30 minutes or whatever, I'll play 30 minutes from it. And then maybe like the next day or something, I'll come back to another 30 minutes of it. So Santorce in the server talked about, you know, uh, making your own track list or organizing it in a way you want to. I feel like that's a good way to, to go about it too. Yeah, I could see it having that like WLR plus um, extras type quality to it. Yeah. Although I yeah. feel like he doesn't have quite the per like nearly the personality that Cardi has in terms of being able to craft a hook out of anything. No, he's more and 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 Wyatt said this and and a lot of other people have said this on the server as well. It's something that I noticed on on first or second listen. This is the most like future evoked album that that Lonely has ever yeah. done. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, by far. You, there's a there's a lot of future on this, and I've said this multiple times. Uh, the third track, "Fly Shit," which is the one after "If Looks Could Kill," that one to me was just like a 2023 version of "Fly Shit Only." That song off "Evil," mm. Mm. because yeah. it has like a similar guitar lead, and it's you know there's only one word different, and it has a similar like kind of hook structure. So. I think it's like an updated future type vibe that I, that I get on this more than any Cardi thing like that, that like you said, you know, some people would compare it to. Yeah. Some certain lesser reviewers who would make a really hacky, obvious right. comparison of some kind. Yeah. Um, I, I very much liked it on first listen. I don't know if it's going to end up in my top 20 or even top 50, but I could also see it maybe ending up. in. My, I could see living with it. I can, well, that's a very good review to quote, actually, because I can see that. Because I think one of the things I really liked about it on our first listen was the transitions, was the uni- actually was the uniformity. I didn't see that as a negative. I thought the transit, like the way it flowed together, was great. Uh, even though there were definite highlights, I like the title track for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Open to silence for sure. Uh, se- was it security? Was it called? Near the Sa- end. safety, safety the, with, with the with the team sleep That's sample, yeah. No, yeah. um, not was safety the team sleep sample. I thought moment of silence had the team sleep sample. No, safety had the team sleep sample. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, moment of silence is also amazing though. It's one of it's one of my like top three songs. So you're not wrong. <laughs> you're still not wrong. You said you um you like the one on Chris Paul too. Yeah, Chris Paul had an excellent sample. Yeah, Chris Paul had the yeah. spring, uh, the killer cam sample. Uh, yep. 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 So no, there are some deep pull like samples on here that I thought were really cool, and um, you know, kind of I, once again. The only, actually, no, I don't like uh, Ken Carson at the very, very end. I feel like uh, he breaks. But you can't really break the vibe if you're at the very end. It's the very end, but the whole album is he's one a, vibe, like, and he's a different vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I can't. I actually, really, I actually agree with you. So, and I've really been not into Ken Carson. I'm not going to lie. And not to the degree of certain people who I think overly shit on him. I think he's fine. Like whatever, like every mm-hmm. label is going to have somebody I'm not as into. He's yeah. not terrible, but I, I kind of like the uniformity of not having any features. Like, yeah, to, to me, I actually couldn't oh, imagine. Right? Which features. But, yeah. Platinum with no features, yeah. Jake, but <laughs> but it's funny they, i think this album brings brings forth an interesting question that i always have when listening to music because you know a couple years ago like he was criticized for this too but you know some people who weren't all as into the music as i was where it's like how much can 
one singular presence carry an album and like does it work for you if the production is so great and is able to carve out like different alterations and approach as the album goes on even if they're like subtle twists or subtle like um subtle tweaks rather because i think that's an interesting comparison point to this record future i think was criticized for it you know back in you know back in the i think when like ds2 came out people were like oh it's like 18 songs or whatever so i think that it's interesting how that is still like a conversation point and how much does that work for you know it probably depends on how much you like the production i guess people probably make that conversation as far back as screw tapes too to be honest with you like oh, oh good point yeah yeah and that's probably the the ultimate example of it because those those could go on for a, for a while i mean and also rest in peace to big pokey um real quick oh sh- yeah r.i.p um yeah a, a great presence and damn that, that we always we it feels like every year we always have every a, uh, yeah, yeah. Another, another, another one taken from us too soon. It just, it, it's, it's tough. But, um, yeah, I mean, no, no, no easy way to transition from that, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it was just a hard. That was a hard one to. No, but it was, it was worth saying. It, it was, it was worth saying. Um, I guess before we talk about, I mean, let's be real. We know what albums. They listen to what albums. But I want to say just two seconds. I know I've asked you to listen to this artist before. I don't know if you've listened to them, but. Tony Snow put out a tape this year, Love Streak, really good. Kind of has like uses a lot of like R and B samples, and you know it's Tony Snow. It's it's a plug tape. It's a Southern hip hop tape. It has like that a little bit of a more of an old school feel, a little more of a sample based feel. This I see time he has around. like four point fives on Ghost shit, so I should really fucking listen to him. Like I see, like, he's he's been I think since twenty twenty been one of the most consistent, maybe the most consistent artist doing plug. Like really, he's. He's so consistent, and he plays around with stuff. I mean, he had a song last year that I loved, um, which I'll, I'll send you just so you can listen yeah, to. But it was a, over. Yeah. It was over. It was him rapping over the "My Mind Went Blank," uh, you know, the DJ Screw uh, "My Mind Went Blank" uh, beat. Well, I guess the the original like PSK beat, no, but I, whatever. I yeah. So that was really cool, and he's just. He has a whole tape actually that's very well regarded on the site, but not many people have listened to it. It only has like 50 ratings or something. But he has a whole tape called Black Billionaires Club, which is just him rapping over like Pharrell and, and like Neptune's beats. That sounds um, really cool. I want to check that so, out. So, yeah, really, really cool. I'll, um, I'll send that to you as well. But yeah, so Tony Snow, very talented, put out a great tape. It's what I say every year with Tony Snow. It's like more at 11, he put out a great tape. But I just want to throw that out there before we get into our our top. All right. So I'm just, you know, my best of the year is I feel like I'm a broken ass record on this shit. It's a, what yet again, Billy Woods album. Billy Woods, Kenny Siegel maps. Um, Not that maps, by the way. I just recently learned what that fucking means. Um, Oh. Yeah, um, else had like can I can, I can I give you a can I lay down a hot take? I don't know if it's a hot take, but I'll lay down a take for you, and I want to know if you agree or not. Is this is this the best Billy Woods album? Well, if you look in the comment box, I say it is. Oh, interesting! It, I literally best 
See, I see, I don't, I don't, I don't look at the comment boxes enough. We've gone full. You should, you should stop <laughs> looking at comment boxes again. Like I, this has been a bad month for me going in comment boxes and saying shit. But yeah, I actually think this might be his best written work. And again, this is going back to a recurring theme of me being in a place in my life where I feel like I'm shit's hitting different, whatever. And I think it goes back to uh, it's the way he writes this. I think where the beginning and end tie together so well. And the very end of this specifically hits me where I live. So maybe yeah. it might not be his best necessarily. Cause I think that so many of his albums can have, you make an argument for it. Like I can see the argument for history will absolve me. I can see the argument for paraffin. I can see the argument for Haram, but right now for where I'm at in my life, yeah. like I it, see it, it is, it's up there. But first of all, the way this ties back to hiding places, like, I mean, thematically, hiding places, like, aesthetically, you have the Kenny Siegel jazz stuff and the way it evolves to where it is here. And then you have, there are hiding places and then there's exploration, right? Like, yep. there's hiding and then now there's out in the world. And then you have to see it was hiding then and then now the world is like, you're back on tour, right? So, and that's also explored if you get the physical version. Shout out to M. Musgraves, who also did Billy's awesome children's book. I highly recommend that. A is for Anarchist, which I'm totally going to read to my daughter soon, which again, hits me where I live. And then it's tied together with the very first bar of the album, the very last bar of the album. And then if you get the physical, every track has like a transportation device that's drawn with it. And then, you know, he talks about time and the first bar and the very last bar and where he's going to be. And then every track relates back to that. The writing on this is just so remarkable. And then it also is just, I don't know, it just feels so complete in every way, shape and form. And then with the collaborations too, like the way features are used on this Babylon by bus is so good. Oh my gosh, that's so Babylon good. Babylon by Bus is so yeah. fucking... I mean, also... We gotta talk about the lines. The goddamn comment boxes. But apparently, some people think that Shrapnel is one person and they sound like Tyler the Creator. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. See, this, this is why we don't read. This is why we don't read comment boxes. Oh my gosh. How many lines on... There, the problem with this album, the problem. This is this is a, this is not really a problem. There are so many lines, and I don't even know where to start when it comes to like quoting my favorites. Yeah, it's uh, ac- it's actually that it's that good, and it's also bicycle kick. Let's start with that. <laughs> it's so funny. It's a funny album. Yeah, it's a fun. That's the thing about Billy Woods is he is so goddamn funny. Like he deals with such like really heavy, morbid shit. Like, and but he's hilarious about it. Like he's very funny. What was the what was the shit I sent you today? Baby steps. She was like, something, something like I was just doing a bit, and he was like, oh, <laughs> that was very funny. Like there, the, I can't think of a single rapper who like is talking to themselves on the ad lib track more than except for Cameron, and he makes Dipset yeah. references all the time. By the way, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, oh wow, look another like great Quelle Chris feature on a Woods album. Wow, like I'm oh, yeah. so surprised. Um, and- yeah. By the way, you owe it to yourself to find the vinyl tracks on this because Serengeti on um, Bad Dreams or Just Dreams is yep. 
nuts, just nuts. And I I can't say enough. It's oh, yeah. oh the layover. I talked about Jesus. Lay- I can talk about this album too. And I've had this for like a um two months, a, fr- I, a fraction of the time. Yeah, but I feel like it's. It's just this with Billy Woods all the time. I talked about this with the Ethiopes. I talked about this with Haram. I've talked about Billy Woods like so much on this. He might as well be the free space. Seriously, seriously. But also, like, oh my gosh, there's so many. I mean, every song in here, and and we got to talk about. Um, I mean, Woods himself is obviously one of the best writers living. We know this. Everybody knows this. The production on this is yeah. just gorgeous. Oh my, it, it's lit. I think it's the. Now, what I do think is, I think it's the best. For, let me phrase it. It's my favorite soundscape of any Woods pro- project. I'll say that, because it's, to me, it, it is it is the it, it is the one that I will go back and listen to. And I've listened to this album a lot, like nonstop. I mean, I've listened to Billy Woods. In my opinion, has like four Stone Cold classics at least. So I've what, listened to plenty of Woods. Four Stone Cold classics. Yeah. Which but would this you one? Say? It, which, oh, which would, would I say? Favorite? Um, let's say. So this one, I'll be recency bias. Uh, Ethiopes, hiding places, brass. Oh fuck the Arm and Hammer shit. Uh, maybe, maybe more. <laughs> I would say hiding places. I mean, No No Knowns is great too, but I don't think it's like a classic or anything. History of Me is great, but I don't. It's not one of my History favorites. History of Me is like immense though. That's the thing. It's like you listen to that's that. That's true. It it might it might deserve that 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 label. It is it is really really good. I don't listen to it that much, but I'll, I I'll yeah. rate it very <laughs> like that was the first one I tried to listen to way back in the day because of the Weiss review, and then it's just like I can't deal with this. And then I listened to Dower Candy, and then that was the one that got me into him. And then like I'm just thinking about this right now, and like it calls back to Hiding Places so much. Like the very first track has the long. Well, it's either the first, yeah, I think it's the first track is like Remember God is a Hater. You know what that calls back to SpongeBob. Yeah, what you promised. He's God is a hater God. is a great line. Still yelling at God. Because the only person who can yell at God is Billy Woods. Wait, we got to talk about two things. I'm going to get, I'm going to, you got to clear out for me talking about my favorite song in here first, which is NYC Tap Water, which mm. uh, is, is a, a very resonant to me for a couple of things. One, well, I was going to say, first you know, of all, you'd be the expert on that, but shout, shout out to NYC Tap Water. Uh, I I will be there very very shortly uh, back home, but it captures this very interesting thing of it's very languid and it has to me it just evokes summertime evenings those lazy like seven thirty p.m. sun still you know hanging in the sky type evenings it's there's not a lot going on you're just kind of sitting and you know just looking out your window or something like that or i guess in billy woods's case you're you're on your your old block where you used to live and you're just people watching and shit like that i really love how the vibe of that song is just so beautiful and it's the, it's jazzy but it's not like in your face about it it just kind of sits in the background i love the um i love the part when he's talking about like the cat like the cat missed me the most more than any other people um and then he talks about um, I might have seen Don Cheadle in in the in the bodega or something or, or yeah. Um, I also love that you talk about talk, talking yourself with the ad libs when Billy Wood says uh, he's talking about four hundred dollar Japanese jeans and then he's like they're actually very comfortable. 
they're comfortable. <laughs> yeah, they're comfortable though. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I love Jack though. I love the way he like the way he flows on sound. I'm just like looking at the fucking track. Oh list. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, God, I love the way you like the the way Siegel comes up with um, instrumentals that directly evoke what he's trying to convey on the songs. That. Oh, it's just it's just a perfect way to like. Oh, it's and it's also so, the thing on it too. This is something I was trying to get across. I don't think I really did when we were talking about Ethiopes and like the sequencing. And I think it comes across even better here though because it's supposed to be a journey. Like it's him on tour, the maps. Like it starts off somewhere, mm-hmm. and somewhere, and especially with the writing too. Like and like it's full circle. Like. You have little sequences. He's on bus. He's on tour. He's at sound check, and then, and right. the fuck, well, yeah. This I honestly, mean, do, do we do the Danny? Do we do the Danny? The Danny? I mean, I mean, I yelled, my dick. what else? Yeah, <laughs> which just, is which is enough. Which is enough. But like, oh, when he said, when he said, um, what did he say? Um, the mad villain oh quote. tell him tell him drive through like 20 piece nuggets i'm broke like an ice cream machine you rub it y- y'all rubbish <laughs> oh my also, god also when he said sorrento paint a house at the fountain blue that was fire because i think he's referencing the hotel in miami yeah that's such a weird reference but that's also so yeah, that's no, so like, cool. i mean you have my two like if you got Earl on that song, you have my three favorite rappers. The, the like, Trinity, the Holy Trinity. Yeah. You, yeah, unfucking believable, man. This is everything about this. It's it's got that whole quality that Mad Villain and some rap songs have, where every piece works together, but every piece also works individually, and it's like short stories, but it's also a whole holistic piece too and also again one producer too so and i hate to say the uh, jack thing as well but yeah seagulls like doing it with instruments and unfortunately i don't want to like go upstairs because i have the cd up there but you have live instrumentation on here shout out to mike parvizi shout out to the jacks um jefferson park boys like you have a lot of really well done instrumentation on everything is a really well thought out well arranged album similar to uh you know the rap for our uh uh, purple moonlight pages in that way which um siegel had his hand in as well so just yeah i mean i i can't get enough of the aspect of this this is going I really don't see any world unless Quaranta really just comes through and blows me the fuck away. I don't see any world in which this isn't my number one at the end of the year. And I'll be honest, there's a, there's a shot that it is mine right now. Cause it's, it's number two and it's, it's locked into that slot. Like I, I, I'm, I, I love this, this so much. And I, one thing that I find so refreshing about it is it's also just not something, I mean, I joke a lot about, I listen to a lot of internet brain rock, but I, I listen to a lot of different, you know, versions of hip hop and beyond. And this is just something where in its lane, there is nothing that's even remotely touching this. Like I, I feel like, so Woods is just on another level and he's long since solidified himself as, as one of the best we have. But this is just, there's a reason why it might end up being my favorite of his by the time we're at the end of the year, just because 
there's a listenability to it as well that I feel like can't be be understated. And every single song doesn't have anything I would change on it, which is, I mean, that's about as good as about well, as about as highest that. highest praise I could say. I can't believe I'm bringing comment box negativity into this, but some fucking nerd in the comment box that can't stop, can't keep pretending I like this shit. Fine, don't stop. No one's Pre- pretending to like anything is is very uncool. Yeah, I don't no, know what, what the fuck. Uh, why are you wasting your time? Go play Call of Duty, bitch. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I would also like to say that the um, if you listen to this on, I don't know how much you listen to it on Spotify. You probably have it downloaded, whatever. But if you have it on Spotify and you click on some of those individual songs and you like go up to send a link to somebody, the animation, the album cover will animate and the the passengers and shit on the plane seats and whatever, whatever will like be doing the actual uh, things. Like that, they'll be doing. That the, the, yeah. surprised me because everything yeah. about this is so well thought out. Like they have the vinyl with the different track list. Like if you look at again, like um, the CD has the Musgraves illustrations for everything. Like everything about this is so well considered. Like Woods is an artist. Like again, going back to high bias. Like um, just the way he puts his label together, his art, his art, the artist on his label. You don't, you know, you know what I mean. Like it's just remarkable it's we're lucky to have backwoods we're lucky to have this album i don't want to take up any more of your time with my fucking babbling on this shit it's remarkable there's nothing i would change yeah. about that it's fucking perfect you you I, will I, be I, hearing about it again listeners perfect. <laughs> play. perfect perfect yeah I, I i think it's incredible i think it could very well be five stars for me down the road as well i'm not i am not rule i am not ruling it out as a the, the the quote graphic says that I like to reference in the server. Um, I think that uh, shout out to oh gosh I forget formerly known as Brother King I forget what his username is now but he said to us in the server he was like maps and if looks could kill came out on the same day this is a if this is a uh, living on borrowed time server day <laughs> and that's <laughs> yeah. so true it's oh, so yeah, true. He said something like, if Mock or Drew came up with something, like, it'd be like, whatever. And I said, Fahim's probably going to come out with something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we had a if we had a Mock and Fahim collab and then Cardi came out of nowhere, it would just be the whole, the whole, the whole server. Uh, but yeah, um, so, I guess we'll do, we'll do the Kalela yeah, record. Uh, Kalela, so. Yeah, so th- this was, so you heard it for first or second time in full uh, second time uh, first second time, time. Full, uh, because yeah obviously like everything interrupts me all the time but yeah it was the first time i heard it in full today i'd heard um heard most of it previously um mm-hmm. i fucking love it i have it at a nine because i wanted to reserve the 10 until i live with it a little more i fucking love it though it's really beautiful um yeah it's uh it's very moving I mean, and just wonderfully textured, wonderfully thought over, and I've loved everything she's done, so. She, yeah, she's really, and each album that she's done has been wholly unique compared to the previous one, um, even down to, like, the art design and everything. I, I just find, I find her such a compelling and great artist, and I thought she was a great artist, you know, previously with Take Me Apart and Hallucinogen and and even Back to Cut for Me is when I first heard her way back in the day. I think I saw her on, like, a fader list, in 2013 and that's how i listened to her 
but yeah, I, I always liked her stuff, and, and I thought Take Me Apart was was excellent. But this one right here, like this is this is this is a classic album. Like I, I think this could be. Like I think this is really, 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 really special. Um, it is beautiful, like you said, beautiful, layered, textured, all of the all the words you could possibly say. I, I can't. I can't speak highly enough about it. Every single transition is like note perfect. Um, the songwriting, her voice, how she you know uses it, whether it's you know in the conventional pop songwriting fashion, like like a song like Contact, um, or how she uses it as an instrument more in in some of the first couple songs or on the run. Um, I think the highlight of the album, even though Contact is one of the best songs of the year it's it's hector said it perfectly in the, in the server he's like when i heard that little like uh that little when i heard the beat on contact for the first time like when it was a single i just i just knew it was going to be it was going to be special and, and something to that effect and, and he was right it's so easy to love um what else what else but yeah i mean oh yeah i was gonna say my highlight oh, i'm getting ahead of myself but the highlight for me is the raven the title track raven into bruises like those two songs fucking gorgeous music man like i just don't know how anyone will listen to that and not be incredibly moved by like the bridge on that song like raven when she really goes for it and like you know um not strains her voice but stretches her voice a little bit and and um then she does the whole like uh, like over the line, but it feels just right, like that whole thing. And then the beat comes in when it's like just right, right, right. And then like you know, it gets in that usual like you know uh, garage pattern. And that transition goes right into bruises, and you know bruises starts with the the beat. And obviously, if you listen to album, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm yeah. I'm just doing a poor approximation of it. But man, do I love that that fucking two song run. And she um she's just crushing it like this is this is an incredible album it was better than i thought it was going to be i was looking forward to it because i love the single so much but everything from the atmosphere to the vocals the songwriting um you know two broke to care shout out to him talked about how it sounded like futuristic and like nostalgic at the same time kind of like a 2020s and 1990s fusion and I would totally agree. I think this is like a special album. So that's why it edged out Maps, another special album for my mid-year number one. So yeah, there's my there's my rant. It's lyrical without needing to be... I don't know. It feels lyrical without being wordy. Yeah. I think it's a good way of putting it because it's very straightforward. The The songs are, for the most part... They don't have more than like two verses. Right. Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. Like, without having listened to it very much, unfortunately, it feels like it gets across its point without belaboring its point. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I couldn't be couldn't be happier with it. Shout out to Kalela. Um, shout out to all the great music we've had this year. Cause I think I mean what do you think how the year's gone? I think it's been a pretty great year. As we yeah, always I, seem to say. I know. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we do. One of the things that I was like, I, whenever I do pre- preparation for the show, I kind of try and go through lists on the, the site. And one of the users are like, is Glavit. 
Clave, I don't know how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And um, he had his hip hop list, and he said, "Seems like the year's getting off to a slow start." And I'm like, I disagree. Like, I think that we've been spoiled for choice this year. It was just this hip hop list, and I feel like we're spoiled for choice most years. Like, I think we've got a lot of good shit. Like. And sometimes I feel like we complain a lot on this show. Like, I mean, and I feel like it's mainly this time because I just spend too much time in the fucking comment boxes. Like, there's nothing to complain about. We've got a lot of great art. We always do. And, like, no matter how bad shit is, we always have a lot of great art. That's how we survive. No matter what. You know what? Exactly. And Great, great art will save us. And it, it, as it has for many, many years. That's right. No matter what, we're living off borrowed time. And our intro music, as it always is, is by our favorite artist on this show, his instrumental, Billy Woods, done by Yoon Classic, the borrowed time instrumental. Rest in peace to Daniel Dumoulin, MF Doom. And our outro music, as always, is Can Kick, Stagnated Pace. We are living off borrowed time. Peace out, everybody.